Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse episode 290. I am Peter and joining me as always is Matt. Hey, what's up? And reports of his absence were greatly exaggerated. Connor is once yeah, again with us. Three more of me for now. Maybe more, depending on what I can compromise managers with. Yes. Well, he so turns out Connor's elbow. I may have this the wrong way around, so correct me if it's flipped. But Connor's elbow needs to move to get better, but his wrist needs to stay still to heal. Yes. 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 I can't remember if that was the right way around. By the way, it's funny either way. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> it's a little bit awkward because it's just like okay, you you got to move it, but don't lift anything with the wrist. <laughs> uh, it's more difficult than it sounds because the. You know, you, you don't have much reason to move the elbow otherwise. <laughs> you just uh, have to. He's out there doing chicken wings. Yeah. I, I was having like a like there was there's a big debate as to uh, maybe I could you know, maybe I could go back to work and just you know, take it light and, and take it easy, even though I was in you know pain, but oh, money basically <laughs> what boils down to because sick pay is nothing. And then I realized I can't open my front door still, so <laughs> at uh the times I finish work page isn't going to wake up and let me into into the flat. So I, uh, I, I was uh, not going to work. Yep. Yeah. So here we are. Uh, uh, still a trio. He explained to me how doors work because I was like, he has two hands. So did he not use the other hand? It just depends on the type and, of lock, yeah. yeah. Yeah, for my door, you have to hold the key turned to unlock it and right. push the handle down at the same time. Which is so what he awkward. said. When he told me, he's like, yeah, Connor could open his door. And I was like, he, he has a working hand. Yeah. He's like, oh, it's not that simple. It's basically I, just... I can do both things independently. I just can't right. at the same time. Right, at the same time. Right. I understand this now, because my door, you just put the key in, unlock it, and then... That, the that is, turns. I'd say most yeah. doors, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so... Uh, well, I was explaining to Matt as well that mains is kind of the opposite. You you can open it with one hand, but you have to, to, to lock it, you need two hands. Because you have to mm. hold the handle up and then turn the key. No one's was like that, except uh, you you just you had to pull the handle up, like but but then you could lock it. You didn't have to hold it up, but you did have to pull mm. the handle up to like fully close it. Interesting. I think this is all. It's it's kind of like a a version. You know how like child like safety cabinets and stuff, when you got a baby running around, toddler, mm -hmm. you childproof everything. I think this is just to stop the really dumb criminals. Just <laughs> so even if they get a key, they'll just they'll struggle. Um, yeah. At my dad's house, that they had here um after they had moved to hawaii i still had to go up and, and check on it they had doors that were like that where depending on which direction you you lifted the the handle it would lock or unlock and they didn't tell me this when i first started checking on the house so i thought i locked myself in one time <laughs> um so when you when you say the some of the dumbest criminals i, I don't consider myself a dumb person but not knowing these were like you know, not typical door handles. Uh, I, I got worried. Yeah. Can, can I say, this is more of an old lock thing, because I've never encountered it in a modern building, but mm -hmm. if you're in, like, a building that has really old locks, like, I hate how, like, some old keys you had to turn the opposite way to lock. It's, it's yeah. the opposite of what you expect. Like, how you my, turn... Uh, so my building's like that. Uh, so I have the, the uh. building door and then my front door. The building door, the key... Because usually you turn away from the, the edge of the door, right? To unlock so you, it. Like to unlock it. Yeah. Whereas to get into mine, you have to turn it into the door. 
Yeah, that annoys me. It's a pet. It's, just, it's not a big deal once you know what door's which, but it's just it's a pet peeve that. Yeah. Like, why would you design it that way? <laughs> like, it's just stupid mm-hmm. to me. But hey, on DC Comics podcast, everyone, we get together, we talk about DC Comics and uh, occasionally locksmithing. Uh, so, <laughs> welcome to the show. Uh, coming up on this week's show, we will be discussing the following books: Detective Comics one thousand fifty. Action Comics 1039, The Flash 778, Robin Issue 10, Task Force Z Issue 4, Deathstroke Inc. Issue 5, DC vs. Vampires Issue 4, The Batwoman Catwoman, sorry, The Batman Catwoman Special Issue 1, uh, The Human Target Issue 4, and a couple of Patreon books. Connor's going to talk about Harley Quinn Issue 11, and I will be talking about American Vampire Issue 22. So that is what's coming up on this week's show. Paris Men of Riches. Yeah, yeah. Week. Pretty, pretty big week. Uh, so, you know, a lot to look forward to and uh, dive into. Um, I wish I ate before we started. You probably should have. I wasn't hungry, but I, I, I am planning on Chinese food afterwards, so I've got something to look forward to. I was right, watching right. the football, and then uh, that ended like, you know, about an hour ago. And, well, about an hour before we were due to start. And I was like, ah, it's kind of too late to cook anything now. I'll just go without. <laughs> now I'm like, ha, there's, there's more books than I re- realized. Yeah. But then Connor was also half an hour late, so he, he, he probably didn't have time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I ate a breakfast burrito and uh, showed my wife videos of Danhausen. Um, oh, very so evil, very evil. Very evil. Very... Speaking of breakfast foods, there is outrage yeah. in the UK this week. Uh oh. Because, Y'all um, finally figured out beans on a breakfast food? Baked beans are. I mean, I'm not a big fan of them personally. But they, they, <laughs> yeah. they definitely are. Oh, uh, no, this this pertains to the McDonald's breakfast menu. Oh, uh, no. So ju- during COVID lockdowns, they were like, you know, reduced menus. Um, the promise, oh yeah, all these these things are all going to return. Uh, two of the the popular items, the the bagels and the the breakfast wraps, will not be returning as they announced this week, and people are not happy. People like those. This is this is what the pitch farts came out for in twenty twenty two is McDonald's Give us back our breakfast, breakfast menu. As someone who has never stepped foot into a McDonald's early enough for breakfast, <laughs> I, I can't it. say I give a shit. <laughs> most most of the time when I have had a McDonald's breakfast, it is after I've been awake all night. Sure, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and like ninety percent of the time. It's fifth meal. And the, the, the few yeah. times in my life where I could have gotten McDonald's breakfast, I chose to go somewhere else because I didn't want a breakfast item. I wanted just a regular menu item, so yeah, I went you elsewhere. Don't like, you don't like eggs. So... That's true. I hate eggs. So that's yeah, hate, and that's that's most fast food breakfasts. Yeah, that that's the cornerstone. Is I mean, yeah. you can eat a lot of them without eggs. No, yeah, but like, then you have to eat. So like back back in the day, uh, like when I was in high school, the McDonald's breakfast, uh, the the. Sausage McMuffin with no egg were a dollar. And so if my dad needed any work out of me and my friend, he would just pay us some breakfast. And one time we ordered 25 of them and we proceeded to eat them all. Sounds like a damn good morning. Yeah. And so, you know, but I noticed when there's egg on there, you can't eat as many, you know, and (laughs) that's where they get you. Yeah. You do do, do sausage and bacon and, you know, get some hash browns, throw hash browns in with it. Is it, is, is, it, is, is it even common to order more than one of a... Yes. I get, I get two. Okay, all right. Yeah, I get, I get two sausage muffin, no egg. Okay, fair. Right. Two is normal, yeah. but 25? Yeah. <laughs> 25 is oh, yeah. excessive. Yeah, we Believe proceeded me. over I, I the have, course of, seen, of building uh, the shed. We, we ate them all. 
Uh, okay. Okay. I, yeah, I've seen much bigger orders from people who should not be ordering that much food. Oh, but, but, yeah, but the port, portly people usually saying, uh, yes, uh, ordering. I, you know, yeah, thirty double hamburgers. Why not? At at my house, I would thirty on one order, <laughs> double cheeseburger. Sorry, yeah. Oh. Uh, at, at my heaviest, I would worry about the those judging looks from the people at Taco Bell. Then I realize they work at Taco Bell and they don't care. You know? Oh, no, 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 here's the thing, we, we judge you. Yeah. Oh, no, I know, but at Taco Bell, they, they don't care been, that much. They, so they when do, I order $12 worth of food for myself, I always used to feel like, should I order two sodas so they don't think it's all for me? I, uh, I think they've been dead and saved long enough that there's yeah. still, you know, Yeah, yeah. No, 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 old fast food employees, they, they judge you for your orders. Mm. Yeah. Not me, because I order everything the way it's supposed to be, Connor. And I'm nice. Well, if you order a lot of it, they'll judge you because they've got to make it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, the the time that we ordered, you know, 30-something tacos from Taco Bell. Yeah, they hated it. And the the manager had to come out and make sure it wasn't a prank. Mm -hmm. You know? So, Wait, sure. <laughs> I imagine the manager probably loves something like that, though, because it means business is booming if someone walks yeah, in yeah, or yeah. 30 or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. We, we get that a lot at, um, in, in McDonald's. Uh, I don't know if you, got, you guys have them, the, uh, the, the kiosk screens, like yeah. the screens to order them. <laughs> the way those work is um, it, the order goes through to the kitchen before you pay it. So, so they can you know, get preparing on it so, it, so so that your food doesn't take so long. It, it is not uncommon to get, you know, teenagers to put through, like, 600 nuggets and just like you know like 99 wraps or something stupid but like, there you go get going and, 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 you know so you see it you see it all like that and you're like i'm gonna go check on that one <laughs> yeah no there's a back when tacos were 39 cents so we ordered you know 30 of them to split oh, amongst yeah. people yeah and um the guy had to come out and be like you guys are going to take this right you're going to pay yeah, there's, so. there's a place by me that does Taco Thursdays for some reason, mm -hmm. um, and it's uh, three for a, three for a pound. Yeah, and it's like, yes, please, I will have nine. Mm -hmm. Exactly, but yeah. So, oh man, uh, yeah, judgy fast food places. Now, now I have that to work on. Yeah, that's so. great. I mean, I'm not sure why the guy was like worried that you wouldn't pay for it if they're really 39 cents. See, it's just not even that much for you. Well, <laughs> yeah, because it is like, so it was a lot of work, right? Pre prepping, you know, 30 tacos. But they have to know. all throw away if they, if, you right. know, if, if they don't get all get all. Yeah, but it's only like, what, less than $15 for all of it? <laughs> it's not that yeah, much. I think it had more to do with the work. Sure, you know? okay. Because it's, it's not all. like you're running up a $100 bill that you might no, run out no, on. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> But yeah, I, it was shortly after that they stopped offering them for thirty nine cents, and they went up to the more traditional, you know, eighty nine cents to ninety nine like cents. You were abusing it and ordering. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, <laughs> I, the time I, I that I, I, the point of those offers is it's supposed yeah. to get you in. You you order that, and then you order some other stuff, and that's where they make the money. And you yeah, just no, no, give me thirty of those, nothing else. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, it was like the time uh, here when, when the World Series is being played, Taco Bell sponsors, and if someone steals a base, you get a free taco. What, why is it? I did not know this. I stopped after work. I didn't realize that was the day. And they go, oh, because of the World Series promotion, would you like a free Doritos Locos taco? And I was like, this is not a joke, is it? And they said, no. This is, why would you, you say know? no? Well, I, I'm always on the, the lookout, you know. No, but why would uh, anyone say no? 
Right. I, I don't know. In case someone's listed at LSD or something. I don't know. I feel like <laughs> yeah. it's strange for them to offer. It's, it's the sort of, usually when those sorts of offers are hides, if you come in and right. go, I would like to claim this, then yeah. you will. But they're not going to go, gee, with every order, do, do you want a free right. tackle, by the way? Do you want a free one? They tacked it on and it threw me. And I was like, for free, free? My strikes said, me yes, free, free. is a person oh. who sees all you can eat buffet and goes, challenge accepted. <laughs> and don't do that. You end up eating six plates and throwing up in the bathroom at Sunset That's... Station. Did so, after don't... only six plates. Uh, bro, they were stacked six plates. Like, I'm not talking, I'm talking six full plates uh, of, of the most calorically dense food. Yes. Oh, it always is. It, it, yeah. Yeah. They're always, it's, it's never good food either, but there's a lot of it, so you're going to eat all. Oh, yeah. Right. And then, you know, your friends end up wanting to go bowl afterwards, and you end up throwing up in the bathroom at the, the bowling alley where one of the students that goes to your school that you work at <laughs> goes, hey, you know, you, you work at my school. And it makes it look like you're you're tied one odd because you're throwing up in the bathroom of a bowling alley. But, you know, they don't know. They don't know you just ate six plates of food at the, the buffet. <laughs> I do now. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, don't recommend. I can't can't eat like that no more. I'm getting... Oh, sure. Yeah. I don't think I ever could eat like that. And I feel guilty about how I've eaten in the past. I didn't <laughs> yeah. like that. I, yeah. so, so, I, I was a bit of a hero once, actually, at Carvery. <laughs> No, I'm serious. I, 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 there was an act of kindness in my part. I could have gotten something for free, which probably would have come out of the staff person's wages, and I chose not to... It would not have come out of the staff person's wages. Well, maybe it would. I don't know. But he looked terrified. There was a moment. So basically, you go up for Carvery, and you pick your meat straight, and then everything else is like unlimited to get as much as you want, which is great, because it's unlimited mashed potato and gravy, and who doesn't want unlimited mashed potato and gravy, right? Yeah. Yeah. But... It's like, okay, pick my beats. And, but they're supposed to offer you king size, right? Do you want king size? And if they don't ask you, you, you can get it for free. Like, the up, not, not the whole meal, but the, up, the upgrade cost you'll get for free. What carvery does that? Is this a chain? or a It's a chain, one? yeah. It's uh, I'd have to check the name. I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, chain. Toby Carvery? Oh, maybe Toby. That sounds familiar. It's been a while. <laughs> we can endeavor yeah. later because Carl's totally interested. I <laughs> Right. But the guy didn't ask me. And I just sort of like paused. I just sort of like give him a. I was like, go on, have a couple of seconds. Do you want a kick size? Yeah, I would like kick size. <laughs> and he just had this look of relief. He's like, yes, yes. You can thank me later. <laughs> because I'm nice. I mean, so, it, was, it was like 150. I mean, I don't know. So this this is a walk-in place that, that has roast beef. This is what a carvery is. Yeah, you get. Uh, I mean, we have a selection of like three or four different meats. Yeah, that's one. Of, that's one has four. You can either get. Yeah, well, you can basically they'll give you the same amount of meat no matter what you pick. But you can either have right. all of one or you could have like you know right. a little bit of all four or whatever. Why don't we have these here? <laughs> yeah. So you just you go up and it's like you know down like a conveyor line essentially where you yeah. get here's your meat and then here's. Here's your potatoes, here's your veg, you know, gravy at the yeah. end, uh, other sauces like you know, cranberry or mint sauce, depending on what meats are available. Yeah, uh, this one typically was beef, gammon, turkey, and pork, I would say. Yeah, those are the, the, the common yeah. ones, I would say. Um, damn it, I want to go to a carvery now. Carvery's uh, great. There's, there's, a, there's a local one by me that is just, oh, it's so good. Yeah. Uh, a couple of Yorkshire puddings usually thrown on as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would, uh, yeah, talk about abusing fast food restaurants. <laughs> oh, yeah. This, 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 Calvary's are like, you stack your plate as 
yeah. as, as as high as it can go. Even though, yeah, you can return and get more stuff, but you stack it. Oh yeah. I I I always like if I'm there, I'm having a second portion of mashed potatoes and gravy just for the principle that I can get more. I just refuse yeah, to not do it. You don't have one close. <laughs> they have some, but they're in Southern California. But I'd, I'd say I'd go tomorrow, but they cost more on a Sunday, so I'll uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's actually one close by to me that delivers, but like they don't let you like pick anything. It's just like I assume they just put in a bit of everything, and I'm like, uh. oh, mine lets you. So again, mine does delivery, but they let they let you pick. Yeah, this is not the one that I've been to though that I like. This is like another one that I've not tried, so I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Carver is great. The Max got a new mecha that he wants to try and find. It's it's probably like a very like it's a very British thing that like you know that here's your roast dinner it is. and it's just like do it as a you know like that conveyor belt style. I think like, mean... get your food. Yeah, everywhere. I... It's, I guess it's kind of the closest equivalent we have to like a Thanksgiving dinner in a way. I mean, I know Christmas is maybe closer, but in the sense yeah. that, you know, you can go get turkey with all these fixings. It's not the exact same fixings because there's definitely some American stuff that's specific to America, but... Which stuff are you thinking? Oh, I don't know. Uh, I'm sure I've heard... Stuffing? No, we have, like... no, we have stuffing. Oh, yeah? Do you get stuff at a carvery, though? I know you get stuff at a carvery. Mine does. Maybe you do. I, I, mean, I hate stuffing, so I never get it, which is why I probably yeah. don't notice. Mine, mine never, never like... I always get it. <laughs> I've never seen stuffing on a restaurant menu. Like, oh, okay. You get it at most calories, I'd say. Yeah, so that's why I thought maybe they wouldn't have any. I'm just uh, assuming there's things that Americans have at Thanksgiving that you just, wouldn't find at a carvery, but I could be wrong. might be, but I don't know what there would be. I mean, a carvery sounds like our equivalent of a barbecue place that's like a, a quick, yeah, you pick, I'm, you know. And how it's served, yeah. Yeah, so... Oh well, okay. No, we're, all hungry. Hung- we're, we're all hungry. I wasn't now. hungry. <laughs> yeah. I was with my breakfast burrito. Why did now... we do this at the start of the show? I don't know. Oh, it's <laughs> well, mostly it's to torture Connor. Uh, yeah, he said he was hungry. Yes. Yeah. All right then. Uh, well, we'll get into the show proper then. And don't worry, there's always time. As Tom Taylor himself uh, did this week, there's always time for a comicsology top ten. Mm-hmm. Is it Batman? <laughs> I don't know if well before I go into it I don't know if you saw this week but basically a bunch of people were harassing Tom Taylor saying that yep. Superman son of Kal-El was like failing because it had gay stuff in it and he yep. basically was just he was basically whipping out the receipts and one of the yep. one of the, the posts was uh, the, the comicsology top 10 and it made me laugh I, my, my favorite part of that was one of the arguments was that um it was in the top you know 50 or whatever in right. in November and then they went and in December it didn't even place in the top 200 because it, it like, didn't have an issue. <laughs> that's because the issue came out in January. <laughs> yeah. um, well, and also, I, I like the fact that he had, you know, said, you know, where, where are you getting your information from? And screen capped a, a certain, you know, not good website um, about it. And he goes, don't believe everything you read on the internet, kids. Um, and I thought that was very, very hilarious. So uh, the fact that it's each issue has gone back for a second printing and whatever. It's, yeah. it's hilarious. Yeah, it's just they, a... they do live in their own alternate reality, you know, where to them it's because they don't like it, it means it's failing. And um, it's just not oh, yeah. true. Uh, like, I mean, just a value, valuable lesson for life for everyone. If you if someone uses the phrase, uh, go woke, go broke, ignore yep. them. Just cut mm-hmm. yourself off from them. They're, they're not worth talking to. That's my yep. my advice. Anyway, Comicsology top 10. Top 10 as of right now in Comicsology. Uh, 
I am I'm accepting guesses for number one. Saga. Oh, Saga came back, yeah. Saga. Yeah, that's right, Saga. I, I uh, forgot that came back. My, my shop had so many copies when I went in there, and they had said they had just put those ones back out. So, like, they, they had a ton of business from I think Saga it's coming back. super impressive. I mean, you know, like, tastes being whatever they are. I happen to love mm-hmm. Brian K. Von Drayton. I know Cara doesn't mm-hmm. match a bit more in the middle somewhere. Yeah. I thought I thought the first couple issues of Saga I read were overhyped. Yeah, like they were good. Don't I mean, I, I, I've loved what I've read, but like I think regardless, yeah. I think there's no denying that Saga is an independent comic. Is like this juggernaut that is like the fact that it comes it's... back after this time off and it's doing Sorry. this. Are you implying that I can not like something and still acknowledge that it's a sales juggernaut? That that doesn't sound right. <laughs> but yeah. Um... And I, I was seeing stuff from retailers all week too about they they had people coming back in that they hadn't seen since the last saga issue came out. Mm-hmm. So it just shows you how loyal the saga readers are. Because you know, honestly, if that was me. I'd just be like, oh, I'll just make the trade, right? <laughs> sure. But but these guys I, are like, no, new new issue, I mean, that's, getting that's now. What Pete's doing, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Effectively, I just kind of like I, I got to the issue. I think it was basically the end of the fourth trade and. I kind of thought, I'll just wait until it's nearly done and it went on this long break, which I wasn't expecting. Obviously, at the time, I didn't know what was going yeah. to happen. Uh, so, yes. Although, Talking Superman was harassing me this week, saying I should catch up now. I think the word to use was punk. Uh, so. I mean, there's so many other good books you could catch up on. I, I don't know. Saga's pretty high on the priority list, honestly, as far as books to read for me. But, uh, sorry. Right. I, 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 I don't read, you know bad comics like Connor does, so it's fine. Uh, so, I'm, I'm sorry, but our audience, all, all the books that there were the, the, you know, from the best of the year stuff, that were the, the non-DC books, they were all books that I'm like, yes, this is a great book. <laughs> so our audience clearly agrees with my taste. I'm not saying you don't read any good books, but there's definitely some questionable choices occasionally. Names he's also saying any, any, you know, Gillan McKelvey book. He's he can't, I, no, I'm, there I'm, you go. I'm banking on him not being able to name three Gillan McKelvey books. Yeah, right. Um... <laughs> Fortniter. <laughs> no? Is that not one? Okay, I'll give it a try. I don't even know what it was supposed to be. What was it supposed to be? I just thought of a random word to be honest. <laughs> Glazed and disgraced. I mean, honestly, closer to something that, that, they, that it might have been, but... I love that what I just said sounds like a story about uh, a donut that's went rogue because he can't get the job done <laughs> on the force. <laughs> Least in disgrace. <laughs> anyway, uh, number one is Saga issue 55 returning and nobly still at tuna and eight, I think, by the looks of the price. Yeah. Uh, that's that's Right, no, but fair play to him. Yeah. No wonder it's selling shitloads. Then I mean, <laughs> yeah. it, it, it would have done. It would have done. Yeah, for this, and it still would have sold. Yeah, tons, but yeah, I mean, you sell enough copies, then you can afford a, a lower price. Ultimately, is what you know. Yeah. Uh, number two is X Men issue seven. Yeah, that was a yes. Um, yeah, uh, they just announced a big event for the summer. Uh, they're doing X Men Eternals and Avengers and something called Judgment Day, and apparently some ancient mutants responsible for something Eternals-related. 
something to do with the deviants. Which I, I know what a deviant is because I watched the Turtles last Sunday. Oh boy, that's a whole what, conversation. What did you do that for? I just for completion's sake, you know, it's like I can watch it at home. Like it's not very good, but at least it looks like a movie. I'll say that much to give it a point and credit. I okay, I I am right that that Pete did appreciate the cinematography, but. I will say this though, you know how there's a lot of stories in movies or TV shows you watch, mm-hmm. and they'll do a thing. I don't want to get too spoilery here, but you know, someone will turn out to be a villain. Mm-hmm. I don't think I could have cared less when they revealed someone was a villain <laughs> in Eternals. That, I, I will say too, and not not to get it, it, it definitely felt like there were shots being taken, and I appreciate it for that. Um, uh, mm. when when that character was revealed. So I I just um. And there are those character relationships that I just didn't give a shit so, about. So, Pete, just real quick, when what? when does this one take place? In in the grand scheme, is this after No Way Home? Is this before No Way Home? Oh, I, um, does it matter? Because the thing that happens in the third act would be pretty noticeable. Yeah, you you would think, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you you would think people would notice that. It it would basically be a new Stonehenge. Right, right. For people to go visit, <laughs> or, or, or even even bigger, you know. Um, or pyramids, yeah. Whatever you pick your yeah, your, like, nas- your worldwide landmark, yeah. Yeah, like um, so so yeah. Um, let me yeah. say that it's it's not a bad movie. I, I mean, I made it through all two and a half hours in the movie theater. You know, I haven't thought about it really until I, I would have cut like now. three or four characters. I, I think Angelina Jolie's character. Cut her out. She's not, adds nothing to that movie. Just cut her out. How, how great was Gilgamesh, though? He's okay. He's, he's my kind of character, though, right? Like, I I can see that, but I think you could also easily cut him out and it would affect much. Yeah, no, 100%. He's just, he's just great. Uh, the, um, what's his name's character? The big sick, Kumail. Oh, yeah. His oh, character's he's, just He's entertaining. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's, he's, he's at least entertaining, though, because he's got a lot of... A lot of two-and-a-half-hour movies lately, isn't there? Yeah, there is, there is. Um, I watched uh, the last duel this week. That was two and a half hours. But is it two and a half hours earned? I took it pretty trimmed down a little bit, but based on its like the premise of what uh, it is, it right. kind of gets away with a bit Let, more because it's yeah. Rashomon style, I, I, like retelling the story. Ah, see, I see, I see. I have more important question though: Is it a Ridley Scott movie that's worth seeing? I'd say yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, well that's that's is pleasing. This, that's pleasing. Well, one of the film podcasts I listen to are kind of flabbergasted by the fact that. No one's really talked about the last duel because House of Gucci is kind of taking up it's all the really oxygen. I, I um, know. Right, marketing for the movie was bad, and obviously it yeah. bombed at the, at the box office. But the, you know that's not necessarily indicative of its quality. Right. Ridley Scott's comments were shitty and terrible and pointless mm-hmm. and petty. He's he's a he's a disgruntled old man. He's made some shitty comments before. Yeah, I, he is. Yeah. Can um, we stop asking the old filmmakers about new movies? I, I didn't feel know this like they... that. It was it was the one where they were like, oh, you know, why did your movie not do so well? I was like, oh, you blamed, oh, you know, millennials, millennials. are on their phones. Right. They yeah. don't want to watch a two and a half but, hour movie. And I'm like, yeah, but that's but that's what I'm saying is, can't like stop asking Scorsese about superhero movies. Stop asking Ridley Scott about stuff like that. But, they just uh, want to make movies. And also, the, you know? the simple answer as to why it bombed is. Disney didn't market it at all because right. it's a leftover thing from the Fox deal that they didn't care about. Like, yeah, let's be honest. There's a, yeah, there's a lot, lot of reasons. I mean, I mean, I mean, there's an eternal debate about uh, the asking directors about things, but I, I do think a lot of mainstream movies right now look like TV shows, and it is a problem from mm-hmm. a director standpoint. Well, and this does not look like a TV show. I promise no. you that. Oh, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm so... Ridley Scott. I mean, if nothing else, Ridley Scott usually looks, you know, but, he makes a movie. But House of Gucci does look like a TV show because that's how it was intended. 
And that's the one that's getting talked about, which out of, out of them, I'd much rather watch uh, The Last Duel, I'll, which I'll, I want. I won't I spoil my thoughts. I won't spoil my thoughts. But for Streams After Midnight, which is coming next week, uh-huh. me and Tim watched old M. Night Shyamalan's film. Yeah. And whatever you say about M. Night and about any of his uh-huh. films, he is a director who is trying to direct a movie. For any flaws you might have with what he's doing, he you can tell he is trying to make a film with mm-hmm. how he's shooting the movie. So even in his worst, I will say that I can feel at least a director trying to like do something with the camera as opposed to, you know... Take your Just Marvel sit that movie. there and it'll do. Yeah. 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 So, you know. Uh, but, how, about, uh, how about that cave scene, Pete? <laughs> and I haven't seen it, I just know. I listened to a spoiler. That, that, that felt a little out of place compared to the rest of the movie, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, right. that, that's where it becomes uh, body horror, right? There's a, there's uh, a lot of thoughts uh, I have about that movie. Uh, so I can't I'm, wait to see what, what uh, yeah. Timmy thinks of that, because we, we all know the, the boy debate. Well, um. <laughs> me and Tim, you know, the boy and a few other movies aside, like uh, I cracked this joke on the episode actually that we're you know we're in sync, you know, like like women who live together with the cycles. We 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 give it the exact same rating. Sync up like Bluetooth. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, how we saw the top ten. It's always full of tangents these days, isn't it? it is. uh, so number it's two is don't want to do it. number two is X Men issue seven. Number three is Amazing Spider Man issue eighty seven. Number okay. four is Devil's Reign, issue three. Oh, come on, DC. Number five is Marauder's Annual, issue one. Number six is Detective Comics, 1050. There it is. Uh, still hovering about the same place. You know, it's been five mm-hmm. or six since this uh, arc started, so uh, nice, nice, nice enough. Uh, number seven is Action Comics, 1039. Ooh. So not bad. Uh, number eight is Thor, issue 21. Number nine is X Deaths Wolver sorry, X Deaths of Wolverine, issue one. That's an awkward mm-hmm. title. And number ten is Once in Future, issue twenty-four. I'm so. really glad to see that sneaking onto the top ten. Mm. Yeah. Uh D- DC does a bunch of stuff that just misses though. Uh, Justice League's number eleven, then Human Targets is number twelve, and then Robin's number fourteen. The uh, Flash is about number what seventeen bullocks of it. So uh, like you know, a lot of the other ones mm. sort of come in pretty quickly after. Uh but yeah, te- tech and action are the ones that made it this week. So, uh, yeah. Could be better. Could be worse. 3.6. Not great, not terrible. <laughs> Colleague is still doing that. <laughs> because Chernobyl's fantastic, and I, I will not let yeah. it die. Yeah. Uh, Definition of overhyped. Just because you are a weirdo who just didn't get, feel it and didn't get the the gravitas, the graphite gravitas that Chernobyl had. I still haven't watched it, so, you know. <laughs> I, rec- I recommend it, Matt. It's very good. It's five episodes, she, you know, it's just the in and out. Yeah, yeah. Makes its point. Jar- Jared Harrison. Isn't it all in Russian? No. Oh. Jared Harrison, Skellen Skarsgård. They're speaking in English, and some other people. I, I do to maybe relate to Connor. <laughs> I don't remember this. I'm sure. I'm sure you showed me at the time, but I don't remember it now. Uh, yeah, yeah. This is, you know, Ginger, obviously. Oh, <laughs> I guess what I was saying. <laughs> that wasn't clear. Um, so there's a couple of top ten. Um, a couple of quick bits of news. Nothing much. Just a couple of delays here to talk about. 
so Justice League, uh, which just had issue 71 on uh, the 25th of January, so just this week. This week. Yeah. Uh, due to a supply chain issue, uh, issue 72 is being delayed. Uh, it will now be on the 15th of February, which isn't that much of a delay, really, <laughs> given that... I, I think this issue was already delayed. Yeah. Though. Yeah. Uh, issue 73 uh, is maybe going to be delayed now as well. Yeah, it's March 1st yeah. now. So. Yeah, so 73 was meant to be on February 15th, when 72 is now coming I out. I see, I see. So they're basically a month behind of what they originally were. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it does say that the final issue of the run, though, which is issue 74, is still scheduled for March 15th. Um, I'm inclined we'll I'm inclined to think... That, uh, maybe it won't hit that date. I'm inclined to think it won't be too delayed just because they've got 75 ready to go in April, and that's separate at uh, the start I, of a big I thing. I would not be surprised if if it came to it. The 75, 75 would come out before. Out before yeah, I, I would not be shocked at that either, but... They they already did it with the uh, the Justice League Dark Annual, right? Where that was supposed yeah. to come out, like you know, after there was like two or three issues essentially that was supposed to come out before that, but delays. I don't understand you know. why they didn't push that though. Like why why not just hold back on that? Yeah, sabotage. It's almost like they, almost like they don't care. <laughs> oh dear, uh, Wonder Woman as well has got a, a minor delay. Seven eight four has been pushed back a week. Um. The next issue after that is still scheduled for where it's meant to be, which makes sense given that it's part of the, the big crossover. They're all interlinking, so yeah. So yeah, I think this is a, a lot of it is the uh, the paper shortage that is hitting a lot of mm-hmm. books. Uh, like a lot of smaller publishers are cutting their run sizes down, like down. You know, they're not overprinting a lot of what's not ordered. They're not. Uh, some companies have like stopped doing second printings of all books altogether. Which, and, and funny oh. enough, might actually end up making some books in this year or two a little rarer and may actually make them more valuable yeah. in the long run. It's uh, very possible. Uh, and then the other one that's been delayed is, and this is unfortunate because Mailstone were doing a Black History Month special uh, for February, but it's been mm-hmm. pushed all the way to June. So, um, yeah, unfortunate, but, you know, if it has to be pushed, it has to be pushed. Yeah. It's just, I mean, better that it comes out than not at all yeah you, you kind of they I w- wanted it to hit in in the month for a reason right yeah i wonder if they rename it slightly you know obviously it'll still be celebrating black characters and black heritage but i imagine they might change the title to reflect the fact that it's not february anymore quite possibly yeah i mean they did that with the uh the justice league annual that slipped right it's yeah. now the 2022 annual and said 2021 so Mm-hmm. They're not opposed to doing that. Yeah, I mean that one is just outright factually incorrect at that point. <laughs> so it is. Yeah, they, they kind of had to change it. Uh, so yeah, just just a few delays. Um, that's basically it. I mean, it's not surprising. We had solicits last week. It tends to be quiet for a couple of weeks afterwards. Uh, yeah, as, as per usual. And I don't think there was any like big, like DC movie or TV news this week, uh, if I recall any. Uh, there were some new Batman posters, but... Uh, although, actually, slightly more interesting on Batman related is that the main theme get released early. Uh, you can actually go find oh. it if you want to listen to it. Is it more Zimmer, or is it more um, Elfman? It's Giacchino. It's Giacchino. No, no, no. Yeah. No, I know, but I'm talking in the in the scale of it's, Batman theme. Honestly, it's kind of a weird mix where you can hear a little yeah. bit of... Uh, Sweet everything i would say that the one thing that i I did notice though is that that main kind of line from the nirvana song something in the way is kind of in there as part of the score Mm -hmm. 
Uh, which I've, is I've not listened to it because I want to experience it with the, the movie. I, I tend That's to fair. do that with all soundtracks that release. Really it's funny is I don't do it for most movies, but for some reason it's, it's it's Batman movies where I just I can't help myself when they put out some of the tracks early. I'm just like, no, no, I need to hear, I need to hear what this sounds like. The only things I do it for. Uh, even and even this is kind of not really. It's like the uh, Bond songs, like and that's like ah, oh, but it's it's a song. It's this set piece thing mm. as opposed to being part of the the score. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah it's worth listening to. Uh, it's definitely honestly, it's it's a little bit more, I, I guess, hopeful than I think I would have predicted based on the tone of the trailers and like the overall grittiness. It actually feels like it's got a bit more heart in the music than I would have expected. Hmm. So, I mean, that's kind of Giacchino though, right? Like he's very one yeah, yeah. uh, that way. But it maybe says that if you are worried it's going to be too dark and moody, that yeah. it seems like there's going to be a bit of light in it as well at some point. Say, um, good. Just based off of Giacchino stuff, if you look at like his, uh, to, to go with Reeves as well, the, uh, the apes. Yeah. Obviously yeah. the, the the trailers for those, especially the second one, played it as like, oh, it's a very dark movie, right? Mm. Uh, and, and you know, a lot of despair. But there's, there's a lot of light elements in that yeah. uh, that score. It is interesting because obviously Giacchino did uh, these three new Spider-Man films, and mm. it's just interesting that he's now doing Batman because it's like, oh, this is a nice contrast between. St- and he's not the only part. Obviously, Elfman did Batman when I did Spider-Man, and even Hans Zimmer uh-huh. did a Spider-Man movie after doing the Batman movie. So it's not like he's uh-huh. unique in that sense, but it is interesting as a comparison. If point. you do one, you get to do the other. It's kind of a, that's what romance. it feels like, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he also did uh, Star Trek and Star Wars, so. And Man. also, I would say his most know. underrated work is uh, The Incredibles. Yeah. Yes. Jazzy James Bond. I, yep, I will say uh, his best work to this day is still lost because it's so varied and he's got so many character themes in there. Like, it's, it's really mm-hmm. quite spectacular. It's one of the best TV, like... Like, it's just weird to say a TV score because, like, there's a one big score when it's, like, six oh. seasons of a TV show, but it really does feel like this big, epic, yeah. grandiose thing. Yeah. Uh, and that's where I discovered him mainly. It's obviously not the first thing he did, mm-hmm. but it's where I really got to know him. Um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, so go, go check it out. See if you're uh, into it. Uh, and we're not that far away from that movie coming out. That's uh, March fourth here. Yeah, yeah well, I guess the same. Yeah. Most places, yeah. I I, I had a panic because I thought it was um, February fourth. I thought it was next weekend, and I was not ready. <laughs> and I had to double check. It is March fourth. I just remember the four. Oh, speaking so, of run times, by the way, uh, two hours and forty-seven minutes uh, for this new Batman movie. I mean, that's better than three hours, you know. <laughs> Not by much. <laughs> uh, honestly, though, like, you know. if it's as good as I'm expecting it to be, because it's Reeves directing, I don't think I'm going to care. I think I'm going to be it's happy. It's definitely long. a trend right now, though, isn't it? It's a tr- it's a trend to like, yeah, like, and I think for certain things it does make sense, but there's definitely some movies where I'm like. Does like the Empty Man or It Chapter Two need to be two and a half hours long? I don't think no. so. Like they really don't. So yeah, we'll see. Uh, did Eternals have to be two and a half hours long? No, it did not. Uh, I remember checking the time halfway through and going, "I've got over an hour left." Like because I felt like it was gonna like the third act, and it was like tons of time. Did, did you watch both uh, post credits? I did. Yes, I did. Uh. I don't really know anything about one of them, and uh, I was very annoyed that we only heard a voice and didn't see someone in the other. 
seen. Is it, it is who we think it is, all right? We, we it agree. is, yeah. Okay. Like you can you I could, thought so. You could check that they're in the cast list. Like, you know, this, this, okay. this, this I, I didn't go that far, but I just, the voice sounded like somebody. Yes. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm much more excited. That that was might have been my favorite part of the movie. Not not because it was over, but um, <laughs> just for what it sets up is more my speed than everything <laughs> in the rest of the movie. I love how when um, it comes to a movie you don't like, because you, know, you know the sayings usually is, don't don't be sad that it's over. Be happy that it happened. I love how there's some yeah. movies like no, don't 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 be <laughs> don't be happy that it happened. Be sad. Yeah. Be or don't be sad that it happened. Be happy that it's over. Is like the the flip of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I'm just looking at uh, 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 Giacchino, man. He's done some stuff that you just I forgot about. Mm, he's like, he's a workhorse. He does uh, a lot. The, the, I mean, he's done the the new Jurassic World. Yeah, ones. he did that. Those movies. Yeah. Yeah, you know and. Um, Bad Times at El Royale and Jojo Rabbit and, you know. Yeah, I think uh, his Jurassic Park scores are interesting to me because I think he does a good job of, like, because he, he gives them a new theme that feels really mm -hmm. distinct to the new movies, but obviously still incorporates a lot of the uh, yeah. the classic themes because you kind of have to. It's Jurassic Park. Mm -hmm. but, uh, well, he did uh, Ghost Protocol uh, as well and just stuff that I've already forgotten about. So mm -hmm. um, it's cool. Yeah, yeah. So, very good. Uh, let's talk about some comics then, shall we? We get into the books mm -hmm. for the week. For about time. Yeah. Um, yes, and I suppose I shall uh, introduce this book and then go and get my tablet, which is over there. Uh, Start <laughs> off with Detective Comics 1050, Mariko Tamaki with uh, Ivan Reese. As I've got Dan Mora written yep. down. That's my bad. Yep. Uh, I mean... Samuel was in there. He is in there, yeah. Uh, well, this is the funny thing. Is I think we just assumed that the main story was going to be long for this, and it was going to be a big chapter. Because that... we knew it was mm -hmm. oversized. We, yeah. I think we were expecting the House of Gotham back up still, because we knew that was and, yeah. well part of So, it. before we talk about any of the stories, I just want to give my experience here of, like, getting... So, because I've finished the main chapter, I was like, okay, that's about the same length, and we've got the backup that we've mm -hmm. had, that's going to be about, it's eight, ten pages, whatever. And I'm like, oh, clearly there's just a, another story at the back. And I got to it, and I was like... I mean, maybe did I didn't read this, and I read a couple of pages. This is, I mean, it looks all right. And I got to the, the credits page, and I was like, "Wait, this is Mark Wade and Mora? Oh shit! It's a prologue to their Batman Superman book. Oh man, <laughs> to, to their world's finest. Pleasant surprise, as all I'm saying. It was a pleasant surprise. Oh yeah, I, I'm glad I didn't tweet because I couldn't get, I couldn't get my um, uh, air or what is it, airdrop working, to to send myself a screen capped. So, so I could post mm. uh, of a certain image, which I would have spoiled things, I think, for Pete. Is it Ivy related? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> so. Um, oh, yeah. Because yeah. the first page, because Batman doesn't show up till like, the second or third page. Yeah. And I was like, wait, this is a, this is a Poison Ivy in Metropolis with Superman. This, this is like written for Matt. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Um, so. But yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Uh, so the main story. And Detective Comics, obviously, we're continuing on. This, this, this really dove into the Huntress stuff. Gave mm -hmm. us some, uh, even gave us a flashback to the the No Man's Land era Batman yeah. briefly. Uh, it's not really important that it takes part in that. It's, it's, they just picked a like, oh, what's a memorable period that we can set this in? Well, and, no it, and it shows the the trauma that Helena suffered during No Man's Land mm. um, with with Joker almost killing her. You know, he has her dead to rights. Also, now Harley's been a hero for so long. It's weird to see her with Joker. Oh yeah. Even though you know, 
She absolutely would have been during that time. Yeah, we all know her history and stuff. I mean, keep in mind, like, in the comics, she would have been, like, new to the comics at that time. She wasn't around that much longer. No, 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 I know. I'm just saying it's it's a bit of a shock after, you know, the last, what, 10, 12 years of her being an anti-hero and whatnot. Her standing side by side with the Joker is weird. In terms of, like, the main continuity, like, when did she actually start appearing in Batman comics? It, like, it wouldn't have been too long before that. I want to... Yeah. No. It was mid-90s, right? Yeah. I can look. Because No Man's Land started in 99, so... Yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. definitely before that. Oh, I know it was before that, but I'm saying, it, like, at most it was, like, two or three years. Like she'd been in comics at that point. Yeah, I wanted to say like '95, but I could be wrong off the top of my head. Because it wasn't Mad Love before she appeared in regular comics. I could be wrong on that. Yeah, 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 no, Mad Mad Love and stuff. That was a uh, '93. Yeah, yeah. Um, in comics, well, though, which is which is why I'm saying in continuity and main Batman stuff. Yeah, yeah I'm looking. Uh, Mad Love. You know, it was No Man's Land. That was that was the first time she was put into the proper comics. Oh, there you go. So it was 99. So yeah, so she was still still brand new around that time. Yeah, yeah, relative to, you know, being included yeah. in the yeah. main comics, yeah. That's, that's neat. Uh, you know, and obviously No Man's Land gave us kind of the birth of, like, you know, Cass as a, as a Batgirl figure and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Uh, but anyway, so this, like, a lot of this comes from Nightwing's narration and he talks about Huntress and uh, how concerned he is, but he, he talks about how Huntress is different from the rest of the Bat family uh, because she she's actually more like Bruce than the rest of them, which mm-hmm. is kind of why they clash so much. And it was a kind of an interesting point of analysis, uh, I thought. Um, and when I mean, it comes to like, the present day, and it's Nightwing talking to the others about what what Kate saw in there, and like Huntress saying, "No, no, leave me alone. I'm fine." Uh, I, I love that Nightwing points out. Wait. So you went in to rescue Huntress, and she didn't get offended by that? <laughs> like, yeah. that doesn't sound like Huntress to me. Something's not quite right. So, um, obviously they haven't quite pieced together, that, uh, you know, that she's been given something that's mm-hmm. making her this way, but... Um, yeah, so we kind of pick up where we left off last time with Anna Volshin killing the guy, uh, and characters in the room, like, so the, the mysterious ocean, we find out who that is mm-hmm. by the end, but... The mysterious ocean reacting to this, like in silhouette, and saying, "Oh, there's like a bad stuff going on." Uh, that kind of sets up some of the, uh, you know, because at first up, you're thinking, I think, I think you're, you're, the tease here is that, oh, is this the start of everything breaking down? Is this the yeah. start of like everything going to shit? And instead, you then have Doctor Weir oh. like giving Huntress medication, saying everything's okay, and then he goes out into the hallway, and it's like, okay, we need to get someone to clean up this blood, like so. Like it's not like when everything breaks down. This is the that's the first time something happens. Like there's clearly mm-hmm. incidents building up to it and violence I, and whatever else. Yeah. On the image of Doctor Ocean's office, I did not realize that until I just looked at the silhouette. Mm. Um, that it, it's a giveaway. He's yeah, holding, he's holding the mask. Right yeah. yeah, that's fantastic. Like good, good on um, to uh, Tamaki and Reese here. That is great. Yeah. Um. But but yeah, uh, that that scene, man. I like Anna Volshin as a villain. I hope nothing happens. I, I want her around for for long times. Um, she's <laughs> proper. I'm not, scary. I'm not sure she's going to make it through this story, to be honest. Yeah, I could see her dying. Maybe. The end of this. Yeah, me too. But like, I don't know. I, I like, and we've talked about this before. And all of these bat rogues kind of becoming 
uh, anti-heroes at this point. It's good to have some new blood in there with, with some proper bad guys. It's like Zaz. I always appreciate Zaz showing up because he's always, you know, there's not very many redeeming qualities there. Um, at least Anna Volgen okay. here, it seems like her origin seems, you know, um, you know, whatever it was that, that caused her to become that. Um, but, but yeah. Um, yeah. Reese, Reese here, really, really showing some horror elements. Yeah, and we get a couple more flashbacks with Huntress to, to, you know, to right before this story, which is like, one giving an example because i mean we we talked about how why she might want to go in here because of all these visions she's having but we mm-hmm. we get a scene where she actually beats like one of these uh hugh vile infected people mm-hmm. to a basically to death and yeah. scares the shit out of the person she was trying to save and this is like a kind of a wake up like scary call to her where she never actually says that she's horrified but you can see it in the art and nightwing says it in his narration yeah you know she's not she's not admitting that she's horrified but what she's just done but she clearly <laughs> is uh so i mean good on the art there i, I like that she doesn't have mm-hmm. to say it and doesn't like say yeah. anything in dialogue yeah. um that's really neat and likewise we get a scene where she's like you know this is like a few pages later but she's she's like saying no i'll go in my civilian clothes uh we need someone in the inside like you know I think that was part of the biggest surprise me is i i'd assume she was undercover but she's still going by helena in there yeah. right yeah so that was a bit, you know just a, caught me off guard I, I think it's like i mean she's still kind of undercover in the sense that she's going in with the intent of like helping with a, with the a team. purpose but she's yeah. not in a right. false identity yeah right. yeah also i love the the cat needs expensive food and likes to watch tv it's on a timer so mm-hmm don't disturb the TV time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so no, but we we have a Nightwing now in like you know the the present part of the story, day fifteen. I actually, I really like this actually. That um, it bounces around the morning of day fifteen a little bit, where we, it cuts back to like uh, Doctor Ware like trying to dispose of this dead body that mm-hmm. Anna Volshin has killed. Um, is I don't know. It's just this nice like sequence of events. But yeah, Dicks. Basically, you know, the for, you know, the falsified some IDs for him to get in as a, a maintenance guy, and yep. he's sneaking around. He's hearing certain things. We hear a couple of the the members of the gang talking about that someone, you know, the guy's missing. So what's going on there? Um, and this leads to like them coming after uh, Doctor Ware later. Dick runs into Mister Freeze, has like a you know an awkward interaction with him. Uh, but Dick finds some evidence of blood, so they, they they suspect something has went down of some kind, and he's going to get mm-hmm. Oracle to analyze it. Uh, but yeah, the end of the story is the reveal of who Doctor Ocean is, and it, you know it's funny. You know, I think we saw the the introduction to this story was like, hey, here's this villain who was murdering people like a few you know issues mm-hmm. ago, and he's fine now. The guy that tried to murder the mayor, he's like, he's got this mm-hmm. clean bill. Of- Sorry, pardon me. He's got this clean bill of health, and he's he's docile. He's friendly. He's acting civil. And we we said, ah, oh, they've got some experimental stuff they're work, they're working with, and they're doing all this, yeah. which is and, what they're presenting to the public as well. Experimental yeah. treatment. Oh, for sure, yeah. And clearly, there is there is some drugs involved because this is the stuff that the gang's taking to distribute. There, there is right. something as well, but we never just went to. What if Psycho Pirate is making them all act out of character? He's not someone you usually leap to. Yeah. No. Especially with Batman. Like, with with uh, with him, it's always, like, crisis-y kind of stuff. Like, yeah. Right? Popped up in Infinite Frontier. 
So yeah, yes. it's definitely interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta shut my door. <laughs> Sounds like a, a dog is misbehaving. Get out of there. <laughs> I will say though, yes, I'm not the biggest fan of this issue overall. Like, it's not like a bad issue. I don't think it's terrible. Mm -hmm. And obviously, the ending is very exciting. But overall, I think it's just a like a fine issue. Um, I think it, the, maybe part of this is how they build it as like, oh, it's the end of Act One. Uh, you know, it, it's you know part of this oversized issue. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, it was fine. It's just the next part of the story. It's not bad. But I think it was oversold, and maybe that's part on me. But they definitely kind of yeah. I, I'll be honest, I barely was paying attention to like them selling this as the end of Act One or anything like that. It just kind of. You no, know, I mean it's a nice Act One ending. I think like it's a, yeah. I think the reveal at the end is uh, Act yeah. One worthy of like a right. that, no that moment is. I agree, but I think the rest of the issue is like yeah. I mean it's it's fine. Well, I liked that it puts us in in Huntress's mind. Yeah. In that she felt like she's feeling whatever the effects are because the whole stuff with Vile and her whole, you know, her being like Bruce, you know, it's almost like she's a stand-in for him at this point, mm. you know, and that because they're so alike, you know, but she realizes that she needs to get help. And, and Dick Bruce even, is the type. Dick, yeah. I mean, that's great. And Dick even questions, like, is Batman being missing even making this worse? Because, right. yeah, like they're having to step up a little bit here. Right. I, I, what I will say is that I like, what I do like about this issue is I think the end, you know, last issue I really liked a lot as well, and that ended with you know getting to see Huntress for the first time and her mm -hmm. acting out a character and like sort of us like talking about why that is and the interesting elements of that and the overall story in this arc and the, even indeed the, the run as a whole. I, I think this issue is a very natural follow up because that's what we were talking about at the end of last issue, and then this issue comes in and says, okay, let's explore, let's go into Huntress and why she's made this choice to come in here. Let's clarify some of the motivations, and, you know, it felt it felt like it was exploring exactly what the last issue left me wanting to explore. So I think as a, as a progression in the story, it's a very smart direction. Yeah, I, I like that it feels like it is taking its time. It knows it has 12 issues yeah. to do this. So, um, yeah, I had no problem with the pacing. I like it. Yeah, I'm but thinking I, of the pacing, I, yeah. But I also agree with Connor too that it kind of does feel like, all right, this is still middle stuff, and it's it, but it's doing good character work, so I, it really doesn't matter, you know. Um, but yeah, like I say, it's it's not like a bad issue by any means. Mm -hmm. It just uh, it I definitely felt like oh, okay, it's it's another issue, right? Yeah. And then with a very exciting ending, I, I would you know that there is that caveat to that. Yeah, well, I, I like how it teases it because obviously the, the so it's the two thugs who are like, hey, where, where's our buddy went who was messing with that patient, and they threaten Doctor Ware, and Doctor Ware's barely given a shit that he's getting a gun pointed at him. He just says, look, can you yeah. deal with this? And like the the guy looks just changes his mood, and he's like, you know, he's what was it? He says he just kind of he walks out with this this sort of grin in his face. Mm -hmm. It feels much better, and you're like, oh wait, there's someone with a power here that's doing and, this to I him. I really like you can tell from the lettering, like it's. It's got this red outline on the bubble mm. and like mm -hmm. a yellow, almost like a highlight effect. Yeah. Uh, is how I'd describe it. It's it's subtle. I, on, I suppose it is that. I, I think that it is actually a slight yellow highlight, but the way I would describe it looking is it looks kind of like a sort of puke, dark yellow brown color because as a result. And in reality, it probably is just black text with a slight yellow highlight, but it gives yeah. me a set of... I'm just zooming in right now. It's, it's, a, it's like a yellow drop shadow on it. Yeah, uh, yeah, I see, I see. That's what it is. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I think um, 
this was a very natural follow-up to last issue and it, it continued the threads that the last issue presented me with and you know, it, it, you know, Doctor Ocean was the most teased last issue, so then this issue gave us the the result of that. It yeah. set up the Huntress stuff, and then this issue explored the Huntress stuff. Um, obviously, there's more to do in the overall story, but this is the issue that's there to like sort of like ground all of that Huntress stuff, so that when she's being used later, it's going to you know do this, does that. I imagine next issue, I would expect it might not because they might move away from Psycho Pirate now, but I could see them exploring the more of Psycho Pirate's well, involvement given this ending it definitely but. feels too that when like if he's not there and his influence like what is he doing to project his influence mm. across you know arkham tower um because usually he has to be in the room with people right for the masks effects to work yeah he does I, mean, I wonder if there is something they've figured out how to you know get the ability into some sort right. of drug yeah right. that's what i was going to say is maybe that that's what they've done is the figure that said though if you go back to that that, that early page where you see him in silhouette, right? Yeah. So it's basically uh-huh. it's Anna Volshin's killing the guy and what is it he says? He says, shit, I've lost him or something like that. Yeah. Uh, just let me get the, the panel. Uh, he says, oh my god, no, I've lost him. Uh, that implies that he is in some level actively keeping mm-hmm. control of them and then he realized yeah. that he's lost control of her, at least if not more than her. Right. That's uh, true. So, yeah. uh, so they found a way to project the effects across multiple... Is, is it as yeah. simple as him Faces. watching them on a camera? Because he's got a bunch of yeah. monitors with mm-hmm. patients on them. Maybe he's just... <laughs> that counts. Yeah. That's laying a sight, baby. <laughs> yep. Yeah, but I thought it was a really fun reveal. Um, for it and everything makes sense. And then the fact that Ware's talking about, like, this is just a grift, you know, and that he's... he, You know, they have to just get until they get the money from Nakano. Yeah, which, which is an interesting point. Like, okay, so what's this money really for, then, if, if this isn't mm-hmm. really the end goal? Right. Uh, and as far as Psycho Pirate goes, like, what's his end goal? Is the reason why everything breaks down because he just pisses off at a certain point? Right. <laughs> like, mm. yeah, there are some interesting ideas there to to play with. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, you know, I explored all the threads that we wanted explored after last issue, and it's raised these questions that we've it's left us discussing this time. So, uh, I think mm-hmm. as, as far as serialized storytelling goes, I think it's doing a really good job of uh, keeping it engaging. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so we'll move on to the backup story. Uh, mm-hmm. this is the scarecrow with the kid who's scared of Batman, who chose to come with them as he otherwise hypnotized, for you know, lack of a better word, yeah. the rest of the kids to come and help kill Bruce Wayne. Uh, so interesting little wrench in this story here is that when they're at the Wayne Manor, it's actually Robin, young Dick Grayson, who comes running out mm-hmm. and uh starts like fighting all the kids which i guess makes sense like he can fight the kids he is a kid after all <laughs> you know what if anyone was gonna write batman punching kids it would be rosenberg true i feel at this point that's fair yeah so, so um well, batman's definitely punched kids before yeah. no i know but but still i do like when, when robin shows up and how this kid is processing right because that's the part I like some about of the, it, yeah yeah he's the complete opposite of batman you yeah. know and and why is this kid working with Batman? Because that to him, Batman's scary, and just all the stuff with the kids in, in the manor and and Scarecrow and man, it's this, almost like House of Gotham just keeps getting better. If, if the story of this is going to be this kid's eventually going to like sort of realize who the good guys and bad guys are, mm-hmm. I'd feel like Robin is the is the pathway for him to right. kind of discover that, but. I have no idea where this is. Like, I genuinely have no yeah. idea. Is this the story of the creation of a villain, or is this the story of someone who almost becomes a villain and sort of like becomes right. good by the? I have no idea. 
Well, and he sees when Robin comes out of the bookcase because he's hiding, you know. Um, so that's, that's got to be something. It's almost like he's seeing behind the curtain. Um, Depends how much this extreme dose of the uh, the fear toxin affects him, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Because that, that, this could be his origin story, too, is yeah. this extreme dose. Um, but yeah, we well, do yeah, get... That's, um, that's, that's the thing. You mentioned Batman punching a kid. Scarecrow yeah, does punch Robin. Was, yeah. Yep. I was <laughs> So yeah, we we get that. Um, Great panel. Yep, just whack. Oh man, the art's so good here. Uh, Blanco is just nailing it. I, I assume this stuff is kind of why Blanco was moved mm-hmm. off the last handful of issues of uh, yeah. Catwoman mm-hmm. to get a pretty good lead on this because this is what roughly ten mm-hmm. pages, and then yeah. it's weekly. He, yeah. He'll want a decent lead. Time that's a, I mean, that's a, yeah. I mean, if it's ten pages, that's one hundred and twenty pages. Oh, that. Yeah, that image so. too that he does so like the way that he, it breaks down when he does his robin um and just you have all the smaller you have you know the six smaller frames like input with the fire going on and then the bottom panel of scarecrow and the kid walking away with robin in that fear pose yeah like whew, no, that's good yeah that's some great a work yeah robin gets dosed the wind manor's on fire and scarecrow's leaving with this kid and he specifically says you know like you're a special boy that's why i didn't pick you uh that robin he's an unspecial one but you're special mm-hmm. and it sort of builds up the suspense like batman's on his way we cut to the batmobile and you get the the the, the of the engine mm-hmm. going across that's a really nice that's one of those little things where i don't always necessarily think sound effects that are added in comics always yeah. add to it but i think that simple one of the engine because it's like cutting mm-hmm. to like the sound of the car is actually quite effective. It's, it's it's the way that it's like no no they can hear it even though they can't see it before yeah. they see it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, so basically, Scarecrow's like, look, in order for you to like have plausible deniability and not be like blamed for any of this, I'm going to have to give you an extreme dose of the fear toxin, and it'll mm-hmm. take a long time to wear off, but it eventually will. <laughs> Probably. Probably. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And he also tells them that there's only one way out, and that's Arkham. Yeah. So, so, yeah. So sure enough, that's that's what happens, and the story ends. The scarecrows ran away, and Batman's holding this kid who is now just completely dosed in fear toxin, and all the other kids are presumably waking up now. Alfred sort of led them to safety, mm-hmm. uh, and that's your that's your cliffhanger uh, for the end of this. Uh, enjoyable backup. I'm still you know into yeah. the story and what it, where it's going. So, uh, credit for to Rosenberg. Uh, Blanco's art is obviously very good, but credit yeah. to Rosenberg for writing a story it's, that I think is fulfilling enough in 10-page chunks, yeah. because I feel like most backups aren't. Right. Um, and it's properly sinister, right? Mm. Like, there's this undercurrent here that's a bit creepy, like, because we don't know who this kid is. We only know, you know, Joker killed his parents, he's afraid of Batman, and he's just kind of going along with the villains. Um, and it's almost as A lot of if, that sinister vibe, though, is coming from Blanco's art. Well, that, that too, but I mean, just the way that the story's told, right? The way that Scarecrow gets down, you know, on his level to talk to him, you know, and just, the, it's just creepy. So, um, but yeah, it's, man, it's really good right now. Yeah, minor quibble in the art at the end mm-hmm. is I do think Batman's head has a bit of a weird shape to it uh, in that last page of the story. Yeah. It is, it's so. It's kind of set angling in the way as it goes up, and I don't know if it quite matches yeah. the angle that we're looking at, Matt, to make it look He's just turning proper. his head a little bit, because you can see the, the neck seems to be turning as well. 
Mm. Oh, this looks a bit optimized. Well, I mean, it's some internet, but it's not like a big thing. And, you know, uh, obviously, Blanco's art's very good by and large because mm-hmm. he's a very good artist. Uh, so yeah, uh, so then we, we do get a bonus story. So the extra pages of this is a special issue because I guess, I mean, yeah, I suppose like, it's not that weird for every 25 and 50 to be treated like a little bit special. So right. uh, we get like a bonus story, which turns out to be a prologue to the world's finest book coming from Mark Wade and Dan Mora, which was a, a very pleasant surprise. Uh, it was one of those things from, oh, this art looks nice, but I didn't necessarily clock it was Mora on the front page. And I wonder if that's because I've not seen him do Metropolis before. Like, I'm so used to him doing, like, dark and gritty Gotham and stuff. With the, with the cyberpunk elements, you, yeah. you weren't ready for the, the bright... If you know, I think it's pretty clear in, like, yeah. the, face, the facial shape. Yeah. Like, if you look at, like, Lois's face, I think oh, it's I can really see, Yeah, I can absolutely see it. But, like, obviously when I got to the title page, I was like, oh, oh, shit, <laughs> it's this team. Excellent. Uh, can I just say, like, I like that this is a story set in the early days. Um, mm-hmm. like seeing Batman with the blue cape and the cowl. Uh, I, I just, I get a lot of nostalgia for this sort of stuff. Um, and I think Mark Wade, because he is such a like a writer who loves to harken back to the Silver Age and has all these sort of mm-hmm. old school superhero values, I feel like he's the best type of writer to tackle something that's set in an earlier time period well, like this. And yeah, he also understands the dc universe on a certain level right because here we have poison ivy and metallo teaming up mm-hmm. right those two are complete opposites one's a complete creature of perverted science and the other one is a eco-terrorist trying to preserve hey matt sometimes if you have some color coding oh. it matters more they've both got green and that's what matters. <laughs> no 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 but i like i like that they're teaming up here you know and he puts these two you know villains together and i like the the fact that you know uh ivy is is a, a villain here yeah it's the um, old days so yeah 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 we can do that and but but she gets to that part right where she's like when when they go to um stop her they they hit her with the defoliant uh, her little vines and she freaks out and he'll stop murdering the green you know um so just little character bits like that but man how great's the art Oh, it's fantastic. Not just that, that's, not that's just that the Ivy main page. Appeal for me. Like, right? I, I, the story here, it, it's fine. That's fine. I, again, like, uh, you know, it's it's not anything special. I, at least I don't think so. It's it's perfectly fine. But the art is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And just the and the coloring here, too, because when they start fighting Metallo and he has his, his compartment open and it, everything mm. has a sickly green to it. Yeah, he's, um, he's got a syringe that has various red kryptonite fragments yeah. uh distilled into like a concoction yeah and he stabs uh, superman in the heart with the colors again right yeah uh i I didn't notice but i I think it was i I have a vague recollection that it's the once and future team Mm. okay uh and sure enough uh robin uh which do you know what robin this is is this no, it looks yeah, like Tim. It looks like the yeah, the staff, the long trousers, yeah. the long pants. The um, staff was making me cape. think Tim as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which maybe gives you a better idea as well as exactly what sort of era it's set in. Right. But um, he uh, stabs Metallo in his kryptonite heart. Uh, but you know the problem is is that we're ending the story in this big cliffhanger where Superman's just had a dose of red kryptonite injected into his heart, and it yep. teases some shadowy figures in a rooftop saying. Uh, what it says? Yes. Now the fun begins. So, you know. Like, I said, it's you a see shadowy figures, Pete, but I know that's Malachi Black. 
<laughs> so like, I mean, honestly, the horns on the dude was making me think. Uh, Steppenwolf. Either Steppenwolf. Uh, it doesn't Magog. Magog? Yeah, Magog. I was gonna say Magog. Yes, that was my thirst yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. Which knowing knowing Wade's track record of creating that character to be the ultimate nineties, um, you know. I'd forgotten Wade. Cre- I'd forgotten Wade created that character. I'm almost. Yeah. Ne- I'm ninety nine point nine percent sure it's yeah. Magog now. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know. He seems a little bit more mystical because the guy next to him seems more robotic. Um, mm. So I feel. I feel like that's those two coming together, kind of like Ivy and and Metallo. Well, if but the running theme of this we'll this world's finest is, is that it's all going to be these pairs of villains because Batman and Superman mm-hmm. are an odd pair, then yeah. that's kind of a fun theme to play is with. Is it one villain yeah. from each of them? Oh, maybe. maybe. Yeah. Um, so if you yeah, go there for Superman, who's who's that there as the Bat villain? Right. Uh, I'm looking at the dimensions, and I'm not quite sure who it could be. It's a very normal-looking person in that silhouette. Oh, yeah, right? the only thing I would say about them is that I'd say it's not someone bulky. They look kind of sick. Yeah. But they do, that, and they look potentially bald. Mm-hmm. Potentially, but I, I could also... Well, could be a helmet. I, yeah, I could see it but a helmet. I could even see it but a woman with like a sort of suit on. Yeah. With a it helmet, be, yeah. yeah. Hard but to tell, yeah. yeah. Obviously, the horns give the other one a bit more mm-hmm. uh, speculation. Maybe potential. it could just be an outright demon too. For all we know, <laughs> it, could, you know? it could be new characters. I mean, yeah. <laughs> like, for all we really know, but <sighs> I've read comics enough to suspect uh, something else. Yeah. Uh, so that's was a nice tease. Obviously, I expect the issue one will read just fine. Like, because the only thing they really mm-hmm. need to tell you in issue one is that you get stabbed with red kryptonite, and then right. you know go from there the important thing here is i got uh dan moore drawing poison ivy so um, <laughs> i'm just happy i'm shocked yeah i mean i i'm happy about everything uh i, I love mark wade as a writer i love dan moore art mm-hmm. uh i have i have nothing to complain about uh man how is it that when wade was there we he was never he never got an arc on superman batman uh that that's when he would have been there it was Superman Batman. He was too busy yeah. with 52 and... Yeah. Stuff, I guess. Yeah. yeah. It just seems like it would be right up his alley. Oh, well, he's, de- he's getting in now, right? He's just yeah. saying, hey, we're bringing the book oh. back just for you to do what you and, want with it. And basically just setting it then. Yeah, it's kind of that time period that I think about. Mm-hmm. You're right. This is, left, this is the, the leftover pitch from when, you know, back in those days. Oh, I never had the time to tell this story back then. Yeah, because this is obviously pre-Damien, so this this puts yeah. it yeah. in that kind of era, yeah. This is, this is my golden era of comics, so... I guess for a lot of us, to be honest, yeah, uh, so our kind of age. Just, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a leftover story from then. It's just, just old scripts mm-hmm. he had lying around. Yeah. Yeah, someone was talking about uh, the first Spider-Man movie uh, this week. And they had mm-hmm. this weird realization moment where they realized it was twenty years old, and I was like, "Shit, mm-hmm. yes!" So, like the early two thousands. They also have a, a realization moment that it's not that good. I mean, they should have done because it, it isn't that good. But uh, <laughs> I actually agree with the, the negativity in this case. Uh, but <laughs> uh, but no, it's true. Like, I, I feel like there is this weird thing there, but the early two thousands or twenty years ago. So it's like, shit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I'm not trying to distract into wrestling with all the wrestling comments. However. I mm-hmm. read a, a comment this week that uh, Julia Hart was still in high school when Dynamite debuted. Um, and Dynamite's not been around that long. No. Um, well, no, the, the better trivia for Julia Hart that I remember, mm-hmm. I guess because she's really she's the youngest person, yeah. so they keep bringing her yeah. up for this, uh, was that when the invasion ended in 2001 at the Survivor Series, she was like a week old or something. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
We're old, Matt. I don't I mean, like you're, it. You're older than I am, but we're we're yeah. both getting there. Uh, now that Connor's far behind, Connor's injured himself into being older uh, through. That's uh, not how it works. Wear and tear. Oh, I. That's right. I have to go to the doctor on Wednesday because um, high blood pressure. Even though I exercise and eat as properly as I can, um, and someone had told me, yeah, that now that's part of aging. Um, I want to tell him, shut up. No, it's not. I'm not old. Right? Can we can we flash back here to the six plates of uh, food at the <laughs> buffet? Yeah, that was a very long time ago, Pete. I, I have gotten better at eating. Yeah, so, yeah. It's all still in there. It's just built it was up. also probably uh, brought on by anxiety. So that, that's also mm. fun. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, so we can we can rate uh, stories. Obviously, the main one is the one that I'll note down in my records here. But uh, Matt, rate the uh, three stories then. Okay, so I'm gonna give that one uh, the first story an eight. I'm gonna give House of Gotham a nine, and I'm gonna give um, the World's Finest preview an eight as well. So it's gonna come out to be an eight point five. Very nice, Connor. Oh, hang on, I'm gonna feel really negative now. Um. Main story is six. Oh, you are a prick. <laughs> hey, six is a perfectly fine score for me. Again, just because we have some for me when I say six is yeah, it's it's all right, it's fine, it's it's I don't think it's good. I'm not in that when case, I give something a six, Connor, it's basically a zero. Right, exactly. <laughs> which is, which is why I felt the need to explain. No, that, no, I I, I, I know what your six is. I still think it's too low. Well, it's not too low for my feelings. Your feelings are stupid. Continue. That's a six. Um, uh, how's it Gotham? I'll give it a... I'll give it an eight. And then... The world's finest. I'll give it a seven. All that... Uh liberation going on there uh yeah main story for me is a probably an 8.5 to be honest uh i'll probably go 8.5 as well on house of gotham and then world's face i'll just go straight eight mainly just because of the way it functions as a prologue it does kind of just have yep. to jump into an action scene so there's you know the story's not necessarily a beginning middle and end but uh, it just kind of ends as well right? but i like the voices for the characters i love the art uh and i love the the general vibes that it's teasing so um just, uh, just go straight on that. But yeah, so go. That's detective. All right. Action Comics 1039. Philip K. Johnson writing with Ricardo Federici on the art. And oh, finally. Have, yeah, as I say, have we ever seen a Federici entire book? He did some uh, yeah. issues of Aquaman, right? Yeah, After yeah. Sajic. Okay. Yeah, oh, which, shoot, he did. Which, you know, it was a shame for him because it felt like a downgrade. <laughs> right, right. Oh, man. Okay. Um, yeah, first of all, the art and, and the coloring and everything on this book are fantastic. Uh, it made it feel like an uh, an epic. Yeah, Lee Luffridge on the colors. Gotcha. Luffridge, yeah. sorry. It would be. Um, not, not that the art before this, right, was, was bad or anything. Oh, it was just, very good, actually, I thought. It, it, yeah. There's, it, there's a feeling that, because... Federico is the ongoing artist now, mm. and it, there's, there's a feeling that yeah, well, they've just kind of been waiting for him to free up. For, you know, this is his book mm. with with uh, with Johnson. Yeah, right? with just you know the whole barbarian s look and the gladiatorial stuff. There's there's a grit to Federici's art here. It fits the it fits the narrative mm -hmm. in a way that yep. um, it's also it feels in terms of just like going back to the the future state stuff where this kind of originated. Mm -hmm. 
if this feels the closest to the Yannin kind of stuff that we started yeah. with then. So it kind of feels like, okay, we're kind of in the ballpark of where that was, at least tonally now. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Superman, along with the others, are in a big gladiator-style fight. And he does win, but a big theme of this issue is that he's, he's not fighting like a warrior. He's fighting still like Superman, even though he doesn't have his strength right. and his powers. He's trying to... He's refusing to use weapons. He's... He's trying to block access with his hand and his arm, and he's like, yeah, like, come on, Clark, you can't keep doing that. You can't block an axe with your head, bud. It's not going to work. You can try. You yeah. can try, no, yeah. No, no, no. I'd, I'd say it works. Boys. It just only works once. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if it kills... I mean, it doesn't in this case, but if it kills you, I wouldn't call it a block. I'd call it a... Uh, you know, a, a fatality. Failure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fatality. <laughs> Is he blocking it from something behind him? Oh, well, sure, if you're jumping in front to save someone else, I guess it's successful in that sense, but... Which, right. this is Superman, so, yeah. I mean, you know. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, I, do, what I actually dug here, just before we get to the main stuff with Clark himself, is I love Natasha's thing here, where mm-hmm. she kind of like, is befriending the blacksmith a little bit, and yeah. wants to, like, make, like... Because uh, I'm, I'm assuming she's going to make some pretty cool steel armor for, like, but, like gladiator-style Herself. Yeah, so they're her and Omac are earning, you know, their chains. Yeah, uh, out out in the gladiatorial, um, and that catches the eye of of the blacksmith. Um, trying to find his name, um, but yeah, and he he doesn't trust her at first. Oh, there he is, uh, Leonath. Um, but you know, eventually he he she talks them into it. So that was that was a pretty fun scene. Yeah. Um, I think that. And she makes a Superman a, a gladiator like a, emblem for him. Yeah, earlier. it seems like a breastplate with the S on it. Yeah, well, I think we've seen it in future covers, so I think we know what it looks yeah. like. But yeah, mm-hmm. it just teases it at the end of this issue, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, great. But we, we also get kind of the culture of the uh, of War World there with, with the way that they're talking uh, to OMAC, right? Is that, you know, uh, she she doesn't fight like the rest. She fights like the War Zunes fight. You know, the rest of them are, are fighting more like Superman, where they don't want to hurt anybody, mm. right? Uh, they're not going to participate in this. But Omac lost the only person she cares for. Um, and so that's why she's fighting, you know? Uh, so I, I like that, too, because we are actually getting some characterization here of, of these characters. Um, and they're yeah, not just there to be fodder. It's a proper supporting cast as opposed to mm-hmm. just, you know, a list of names that could potentially be killed. Right. Uh, yeah, so you have a couple of different things going on in this issue. You have Clark talking to this uh, Thelosian. Uh, yeah. And he's the one who's trying to tell him that he needs to learn how to fight properly and, you know, things like that. Clark talks about what Warworld actually is and how there's been myths in the past. You know, Jean, Jean Jones believed that Warworld was created one way. Others mm-hmm. believe it was created another way. And Clark's like, no, it actually is even older than anyone thinks and is kind of like... The, the way I took it, the way I described it, is that it's, it's kind of a planet, in a sense, but it's kind of like a mishmash of, like, multiple mass of different planets that have been, mm-hmm. like, thrown I, together. I got... Not quite that. So, in terms of just the, the, the stories he discounts, I'm assuming mm. those are all, at various points, those have been the canon things, and this is a way Probably. of keeping them all yeah. as... Oh, no, those are canon. You know, they, they still all existed. Especially the uh, the ones that, you know, they built War World, where... They, they did. They just didn't build this War World. This is more, there's, uh, I, the way I took it is, there is a planet at the core that has just been built on top of and on top of, and it's just built out from there. 
Yeah, well, that's, what, that's kind well, of what I mean in the sense that because it, it talks about like in the much way in the same way that the war world via the the Mongols and whoever collect like the population of planets. It kind of sounds like a lot of the wildlife, a lot of the like the systems and the cave systems where some of the life is thriving. It kind of it feels like it's well, been kind of a hodgepodge that's been added to over. Yeah, you know, it, eons. Kind of reminds me of like in. When they talked about in 300, right, that the army, um, remind me, Connor, who's, who's the army that's invading? The Persians? The Persians, think, all right. Um, that the Persians kind of uh, would pick the, the best people and kind of assimilate that into their army. It's kind mm-hmm. of what it seems like World World has done, where it's taking these cultures that it's conquering and adding them to War World. Even if it's like pieces of that planet yeah. or star system and, or and, whatever and, it is, and this neatly goes into the next part of the the book, which is the last of this race. Like, there's like a they call they call it the old crow, but it's this big green alien thing. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's the last of its race, and it's dying, and they all kind of like go there to it says essentially like see it off. But it like the the reason why they're celebrating, like most of the warzones are celebrating. Is because they see it as a point of like, no, this is we have proven that we're superior because they've finally died out uh, after we, you know, brought whatever was left of their culture into mm-hmm. into this planet. Over time, like they always, you know, just go away little right. by little. And there's this really sad scene where Clark like internally apologized. To, to, well, I think he says he says in his narration that he says it to him that he apologizes that he wasn't there sooner to help him. And he has to help push it o- over the, into this like uh, pit with those mm-hmm. giant yeah, monsters. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's like a really sad, like depressing scene, and it's kind of like okay, it's not only just all these people that Clark has to inspire, but this is like what's been going on and just how depressing and like just like never-ending despair that this place is, and the attitude that and just the the way life is valued, the way it's dis- disregarded. The way it's celebrated for the wrong reasons, like they're, they're not celebrating this person's life or this alien's life. They're they're celebrating that, ha, we're better than you because you couldn't survive. And right. so it's just it's really well, it's really mounting the deck against Superman for how he like yeah. the, the minds the hearts and minds he has to change. You know. Yeah, Johnson really made me sad over this this alien that we've never met, right? Just with the way that they tell the story and how, and how the Warzans are celebrating, but the other people are looking at that this could be us one day, you know, and it just, it really raises the stakes. I think another and, key element the way it does that, in a really easy way in terms of just mm-hmm. in this issue is, uh, in the art, the actual, like, you know, it has this luminescence to it, yeah. and then as it dies, it, it fades, yeah. right? Right. So it's it's just this really clear visual thing that makes it easy to kind of go, oh, oh, it, it's it's gone. Right? And it, you know, mm-hmm. when it's well written, if you have your main character who we do care about, if you have him feel something for it, like good writing will make you feel something for this. Like, if, if effectively a throwaway character, literally in this case, because he's thrown over over the side of the thing. Uh, but like, you feel it. You feel sad for this being, and it's like the idea that. Superman instantly feels sympathy and empathy for a creature like this, so we should too. And I think if the writing's good, we will. Mm-hmm. And that's the, 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 you know, it's just proof yeah. of like cool. when this is working. Yeah, and just the moodiness too of, of the colors here, right? Because the creature is glowing like neon green. Um, and everything else I consider these soft blues and greens. Mm. 
you know so it's just like it's a there's a somberness just to it all yeah it's like it fits into the colors because it's obviously part of the same color you know spectrum right it's you know it's green but it's like vibrant and glowing in a way that is very different to so i i I do the colors throughout this issue like you've got the the oranges in the gladiator pit Mm-hmm. You've got mm-hmm. the uh, the reds inside the tunnels, but not you know like, at the top of the tunnels, like the sunset almost lets all reds. Yeah. Um, and then you've got like in the in the prison cells, you've got the greens, but they're quite like they're quite bright greens, but still mm-hmm. kind of like uh, dark at the same time. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like they're vibrant, but they're they're there's a little quite a, a deep they're, shade. They're more harsh and rather than yeah. pleasing vibrant yeah and then underground you've got like those really dull greens and blues mm-hmm. uh, apart from the you know the, the luminescent creature which just stands out against everything yeah mm-hmm. um and then the next part of plus up here which is that uh there's some symbols on a wall on a cave wall in here that are that match the uh the the the, the rock fragment that you know arrived and the, the build up to this arc on earth yeah and clark's like looking at it and this alien's like claiming to be like reading gospel from it right but clark's mm-hmm. studied it enough to know or at the very least knows that he's reading it the wrong way like he's, he's going down to up or up down when it's meant to be the other way around and clark's like well if i can prove what that actually says maybe that'll help in convincing some mm-hmm. some of these beings to like break away from the the, the hold that these people have over them mm-hmm. um and you know, that's a, you know, I saw uh, just before we came on, I, I saw Talking Superman actually tweet out this page, and uh-huh. said what he liked about it was that this is Clark wanting to use the truth to like win people mm-hmm. over, and it's a very Clark Kent thing. You know, it's the reporter, yeah. in them, uh, effectively. That mm-hmm. goes back to the, the the very start of this thing. It, you know, it's uh, War World Journal, and you know, he, it's on this issue mm. in particular. You know, the. The, the narration is okay. It's this journal entry, mm-hmm. and on the first page it says, "You know, I'm a journalist by trade." Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so talking Superman can stroke his ego because I just <laughs> gave him a shout because it was a good point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's good stuff. And then that's after this when Natasha gives him these uh, his new breastplate, the looks of it, yeah. and Superman agrees that he needs to learn to fight like a war world or to like yeah. to to survive here and win. He's going native. Yeah. yeah so. Yeah. Uh, but but as we know from the future state stuff though too is he still isn't he's not out there clubbing people to death he's still using it as he's a still Superman yeah. yeah yeah you know so he's not going fully into it but of I course. do like this this scene with with Krillix where he tosses him the 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 one stick and he catches it and it's teaching to fight like a war wolder yeah and uh, it's like ah oh, yes and then the ending tease of this issue is we cut we cut to outside again the color scheme completely changes it's these harsh sort of orangey reds of the rain it, it almost feels like it's like rain in chernobyl or something and i'm not just saying that because i referenced chernobyl earlier but <laughs> yeah. it, feel, um, it feels acidic <laughs> that's so, rain. so fun thing that that uh, philip kenny johnson said on twitter is he writes all this dialogue first and then translates it into this language so yeah. if you can decipher it, everything makes sense. It's not just random words mm. or whatever. As well as saying that uh, technically almost everything in the issue is in another language. Um, right. So why don't we translate this? And he said two yeah. reasons. One, it's kind of irrelevant. You don't need to right. read it, so it doesn't matter. And two, most of the times where I do that, it's extreme profanity. Right. 
That's yeah, what I was going to do too. Yeah, it's the old firefly so, trick of like whenever they're speaking in Chinese, mm-hmm. they're usually saying something naughty. Yep. <laughs> they, they, yes. they yeah, I just I love the fact though, that they weren't allowed to watch that in China. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I'm not a huge Tolkien fan, but it feels very Tolkien esque, and it adds to this fan- fantasy aspect of the story. Yeah. Um. Um. You know. No, no, it's an interesting point that, yeah, that most of the dialogue is obviously translated because it is a bunch of aliens. And Clark even mentions at one point that a lot yeah. of the different species are speaking completely different languages, and he only understands a few of them comparatively. Right. Um, well, and he's speaking to, to um, Krillex with, uh, in an old Kryptonian dialect, yeah. too, because they, yeah. they note that, so... And the good thing is, though, is that I like the idea that his narration, which is this journal, is in English, because that mm-hmm. is his primary language, because that's where he grew right. up, you know, that's where he right. uses, so... That's a nice little touch. Uh, so yeah, basically, uh, Midnighter shows up and blasts these aliens, and he's he's got <laughs> he's got a couple of little alien followers that are helping him fight now, and they're pl- they're basically here to try and break out Apollo, who's being held in this like pit, and it's all again, it's the harsh yellows of this like fiery it's sunlight, the bright sunlight yeah. for Apollo, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's just, it's good stuff. I mean, I think the color schemes throughout the issue do a really nice touch, especially since. That second last page, which is a two-page layout, is you still have the 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 sort of the the orangey rain like you know radiated look on the on the panels on the left, mm-hmm. but on the right you have all this yellow of them looking down into this it, pit. It does that earlier as well when um when they're going down into the the caves, mm. uh, where on the left it's mostly all the the deep reds, and then on the mm. right it's the uh, the the dull blues and greens for the caves. If they keep it up, it's going to be a nice signifier of pretty much like we can just tell by the color scheme kind of which type, which which part of the war world we're on to a point, which is a good visual I, language. I assume they will, and yeah. although of course they might break it for specific reasons. Oh yeah, which, yeah. Again, will have its own benefit to doing that. Yeah, like I'm, I'm sure, like maybe a hopeful moment, someone will turn on a big spotlight or something, and all of a sudden it'll be bathed in blue light, you know, Superman colors or something. Like I, I could see something with that, but. Uh, yeah. Did anyone read the backup? No. No, I wasn't. I wasn't expected as much, but uh, yeah. All right. Well, I guess we'll uh, we'll read. It's a very good issue, though. I mean, mm-hmm. like, let's make that clear. Like, Action Comics is having a bit of an all-timer run right now, and I think we're going to. I say this every time, but I think we're going to look back in this with some special praise when it's all said mm-hmm. and done. Yeah. Uh, all right, Matt. What are you given Action Comics? I'm giving this a nine. Very fair, Connor. Also giving it a nine. Also very fair. I would you believe it? I'm also giving it a nine. Uh, <laughs> so, very nice. Uh, nines all around. All right. Uh, the Flash issue seven seven eight. Jeremy Adams writing with Fernando Pissarin and Brent Peoples <laughs> on the art. Uh, I know Matt's been toying with catching up. I don't suspect you have yet. No, no, yeah, I, I have. I'm up to the the World War Two stuff with Jay. Okay, cool. Yep. So I've uh, gotten a couple. I read the the um, Gold Beetle stuff. Mm. Um, oh, that was, that was a couple yeah. of fun issues actually. I think uh, that World War Two stuff where I bounced off. I think that was like the last bit I read. Yeah, yeah. it's it's good. It's um, it's just weird bouncing back between Barry and Wally. Mm. This, this early stuff going on. And... I'll, I'll be very curious to see how you feel once it just turns into a Wally West flashback. Yeah. It, it surprised me that I see some people on. I get, I, I'm not. Back on the book. It's yeah. surprising. I see some people on Twitter talking about this book in the same way that me and Matt did with Hawkman. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's like, okay. that, that like, no, this is like DC's best book that's being published right now. It's like low key, this really fun mm-hmm. thing. And I'm like, 
it, it just surprised me. I, I, you know, again, not because I yeah, that bad. I only just, uh, and sure it can get there. You know, I don't know. I I felt that with Hawkman almost immediately, and I'm still, you know. Like, like uh, I said, I, I definitely like I enjoyed that first arc, but I think it's when it switched to just being a Wally West flashback yeah. after. Uh, barring that one gimmick issue where it got really meta, uh, like yeah. I've really enjoyed what this has been doing. Uh, so, if you remember last issue, we had uh, I raid befriended Maxine uh, mm-hmm. of the Baker family, <laughs> um, and they stuck out after dark, and there was a tease of a big hulking figure by them. Turns out to be Mammoth, uh, Shimmer's there as well, and they get kidnapped. And because Jay's like chasing after them, he actually that's, that's maybe the silliest thing in the issue, bizarrely, in, in, in a book that has all these superpowered beings, is that young, you know, eleven year old Jay or whatever he is, jumps on top of the van they're driving away on and holds on like he's an action hero. <laughs> I'm like, I mean he is Wally West and Linda Park's son, so yeah, you know, but it is, pointed, it is pointed out though he has no powers right now. This is he's meant right. to be a, a normal, <laughs> you know, kid. But you know, whatever, we'll roll with it. Uh, so that's going on. Meanwhile, in Gem World, uh, the entire Justice League Dark are all possessed by Eclipso, and are chasing after Wally. Uh, so there's some action here as there's some you know darting around. Wally's like co- you know covering Zatanna's mouth with a. Uh, Ragman's cloak, so she can't say anything. Um, good to know that Etrigan's still rhyming even when he's possessed. Uh, so that's fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it actually ends up being uh, uh, Opal, you know, the Dark Lord, who shows up and kind of helps Wally out a little bit. And he's like, hey, we can go somewhere and deal with this, this Eclipso nonsense. And Wally's obviously very trepidatious, but he doesn't have a lot of options. He's in Gem World, everyone's possessed by Eclipso. Uh, it turns out uh, our our characters, our villains here who kidnapped the kids are working for Calculator because uh, they take the kids to a, a, the hut in the woods somewhere. And it seems that he's in the business of kidnapping meta children and selling them to bidders. And I'm like, you know what? I don't know if this is actually planned to sort of sync up with other things, but this feels like it does feel very like it fits neatly into what's going on with the Bendix stuff and Superman and that the idea that mm-hmm. there is like bidding wars and people are trying to like get metas their kids. So more on the calculator later because he also shows up in another book. Oh, makes yeah. well, it must be Deathstroke Inc. Because that's the one I didn't Ma- need. Yeah, maybe. Uh, uh, so yeah, so, so they put them in these tubes, but Jay breaks in the window, gets them out and they've dosed them up so they don't really have their powers right now. Uh, and so there's like some references to speeding away that Maxine's like confused about, but Jay's like, "Look, you're gonna have to share your powers with me and give me a spark of the speed force." Like, and she's like, "But no, like you almost died the last time that happened. Like it's too dangerous." He's like, "Well, we don't have any other options right now. Like we kind of have to do something." Um. Meanwhile, in Gem World, Opal turns on Wally. Are we shocked? <laughs> of course. <laughs> no, we're not. it turns out he actually wants to help Eclipse. So. Uh, and is indeed possessed with him as well. Um, Justice League Dark come in a portal and fight him. It, it's, you know, it's, it's this thing where it is addressed later where Eclipse was like, for some reason I have possessed, he says that he's possessed everyone in Gem World, but like the entire population of Gem World he's got under his control. He's getting like uber powerful. But for some reason he can't take Wally. And he doesn't know why. And Wally cracks a joke, but he doesn't know why either. So... Some shenanigans afoot. Uh, 
I, I Ray gives Jay a spark of the speed force and he is able to fight off Mammoth and the others. Uh, it, you know, it's some fun stuff here, you know, like uh, Mammoth goes to punch, punch his fist and it, can, it hurts Mammoth instead. Um, he goes flying. I will say Shimmer's outfit, by the way. I, I don't know like what you remember Shimmer's outfit as being, but she's basically just got like two like cups over her, her boobs. It's it's really it's a really old school slutty looking outfit is all I'm saying. Um yeah, Shimmer just traditionally wears like a black suit uh that kind of matches mammoths because they're and maybe a coat over it. Um because they're a brother and sister, I think. Right, yeah. It's like I didn't it's notice it as first because she has like long sleeves, yeah. but it's like just sleeves that are connected with like sort of almost belt going across like her upper chest, and then just two black cups. Oh, I gotta, I gotta look this up over the boobs. So uh, I gotta look up her original costume. I should say I'm not trying to be a pervert. Um, you don't have to try yeah. to be a pervert, Matt. You just start one. It's fine. Yeah. You know, being a pervert takes no effort. Uh, so yes, uh, Jay's doing a decent job uh, fighting them off. But he then starts to feel great pain. He buckles and Maxine gets... Or sorry, not Maxine. Uh, I mean, Maxine may be slightly worried, but she doesn't really know him that well. <laughs> Irie is getting worried. But when he starts crying and he says, Dad's in trouble. So clearly, through the Speed Force, he's seeing what Wally's going through. And at this point in the Wally story, like he's trapped in crystals from Opal and Amethyst. Oh, actually, which reminds me, Wally had a great line earlier on where mm -hmm. uh, Opal says something about being, like, the great, you know, person in gem world. I'm the, dark, I'm the Dark Lord. I can do anything. You have no idea what I can do with uh, time to prepare. I'm a sorcerer, yada, yada, yada. And Wally says something to the effect of, yeah, who gets beat by Amethyst every other week. <laughs> Which I thought was a funny line. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's the end of the issue, is the cliffhanger. The, 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 Jay can can sense that his dad's in trouble so I, I wasn't expecting these two plot lines to merge in some way maybe they're going to try and like find a way to gym world to help him or something but uh i did enjoy the kids still like on their own little adventure it's really nice for them to get this this time i enjoyed that the last couple of issues um and yeah the the inclusion of maxine and i'm looking forward to because you know they don't know maxine has a power yet and maxine has only just witnessed them use some powers so it'd be very interesting to see how Maxine's power like gets involved mm -hmm. to s save the day at some point, and it'll probably be like, oh, okay. And it makes me wonder: is is Animal Man's family going to be a supporting element of this book, like on and off? Now, is this just like a permanent thing, or mm. that would be on? cool? It would be neat. That you know, the idea is just like two families that have both got kids at a similar age, like having them like, be friends. Like it's an interesting pairing that I wouldn't have thought of. But it'd be kind of neat. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah. Is it because they're both redheads? I mean, it might be, but, like, that, that that could be a fun... Like, imagine in the future, like, if this is just an established thing that Maxine and Irie are, are best friends mm -hmm. in the future. So, cool. you know, maybe one day when they're a bit older and they've aged them up to, like, teen level, they can be, like, new teen mm -hmm. titans or something. You know? Yeah. That could be fun. So, uh, had a fun time. Uh, I will give this another solid 7 out of 10 for me, I think. Uh just having a continually good time so good stuff robin issue 10 joshua Wilson writing with roger cruz on the art uh, i'm expecting matt to have things to say maybe yep, gush yep. a little bit uh 
So Robin's not exactly time travelled. It's more like he's no. on a like a like a mind pilgrimage. He's tripping balls. <laughs> um, Vision quest. Because because it, yeah. it's like he's travelled back in time for a bit, but then like like uh, you know, Mother Soul starts talking to him as if she knows who he is directly, and, yeah. and Raz doesn't even react. Young Raz doesn't react to it, so it's like oh no no. So this is not really time travel. This is more like they're in a memory. And now they're like interacting inside it's of it. A little bit disappointing because time travel would have been way more fun. I think yes. that's fair. I was kind of relieved though when we started cutting back because I was I was worried we weren't going to have the other characters for a while because if we were doing a time travel story, so I kind of liked that we cut back to them and they're kind of reacting yeah. to Robin lying there freaking pros out. And it's cons, but it ended up being able to tell the story still. Um, and that's the the history of Ra's al Ghul and his mom. Um, yeah, which uh, and how, how I have... never thought I would care about a story like that. Yeah, I, 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 I'll be honest, I still don't. This was a lot of exposition uh, in the back half of this issue. Uh, I didn't mind it. Oh, I... Here we go. Right time. Do you really feel that's not true? I, I mean, I'm not even saying it's not true. I, I enjoyed it because I like, I like the fact that it seems like Williamson's lining up the differences in the League of Assassins the you know the league of shadows and the league of lazarus and none of them seem redundant I, they were all arms off the same i don't hate the concepts you know? or the, the story yeah. of what it is i just like if you go for the the page where so we're back in the you know the the real world mm-hmm. everyone's around robin and then you know the page after that where it cuts back into mm-hmm. the story from there onwards it's just oh this is a lot of exposition backstory and it mm-hmm. felt like a lot of text to read i on. mean it felt it felt like backstory as opposed to a story, to me at least. I see. I I thought it felt like a story, but I also really liked the Ra's al Ghul history stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's up there with with Dandel Savage, where you can put him in any era and see how you know how he was. So I like seeing the the whole idea of this man of science, how he was in you know medieval, whatever, uh, yeah, medieval uh... Middle East. I think I'm, how... I'm definitely more towards Matt on this, yeah. and uh, I had a good time reading this. I liked a lot of the mythology adding to it, and like like mm-hmm. you say, the idea that the the League of Shadows was created, uh, mm-hmm. but then he also had the League of Assassins to like go after anyone who would threaten right. his Lazarus pits. But then the League mm-hmm. of Lazarus was created to find more Lazarus pits. But then they believed in the magic of the Lazarus, whereas right. Razagul was not really magic and it, based. And this, this they, whole know, idea of ideology and almost religion and how. He doesn't need that because he has science. The, and... the only thing that I, I have a slight nitpick with is I, mm-hmm. I'm a little unclear because on one of those pages that Connor was talking about, mm-hmm. um, it casually mentions, so I, mean, I think it's on that first one. Uh, so instead, uh, he focused on science. His obsessions with cheating death inspired the creation of the Lazarus pits. Um and then later on, he says, "Oh, he had inf- had to inflict the Lazarus upon himself, and that mm-hmm. that you know he, he was reborn, right? And right. he became the Razal Gul. We kind of know. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of unclear exactly how he thinks he created the Lazarus pit when it also yeah. seems to be like a a natural magical you know demonic occurrence. That was my thing because it it made it seem like he co opted whatever was there. Yeah, you know. So in his mind, he's kind of doing that Luther thing." Where he's taking credit for something, whereas Luther actually would have created it. I think it's just a know? little bit murky in the story where I was like, yeah. "Wait, what? Like, what? He just said he created yeah. it. So, what's the confusion here?" Right. Um, right. I'm trying to find where it says he created. Like, I, I know where he said you know he created those bits. I'm trying to find if there's anything later that actually 
contradicts well, that directly. I, I'm assuming that the Lazarus liquid itself is not something he created. It's more the idea of mm-hmm. like he came across pet. it. Like, he yeah. Re, yeah, he recreated it. And now he's created his Lazarus pits, which for the longest time I didn't know if Lazarus pits were one use only, right? Like once you use them, because I, yeah. I remember reading a thing one time that once you use them, they're dead. I think you know, so that's, the, the, the way um, I'm sort of headcanning this from what I've read here is that a Lazarus pit's a lot like drilling for oil. Like, once you find mm-hmm. one and drill into it, you make a pit, and then you right. can use it. <laughs> but the, the actual so, yeah. substance so has to be there. stuff on, this, on the page after um, Flatline's like, it's like he's tripping, and Ravager's like, I hate magic. Yes. After that page... You and me both, talk- Ravager. <laughs> yeah, I... <laughs> I heard you say that when I was reading it, Pete. That's weird. <laughs> um, but yeah, it said um, he denied anything that, that haunted him um, and then instead focused on his science, his obsession with cheating death, inspired the creation of the Lazarus Pit. So he's adding something to the pit. So maybe it was something that was already occurring mm. and he just, you know, added his whatever. He's, he's adding something know. to like, increase its potency it, or something. Right, but it but it is a little bit murky. But we, we get the fact that his wife died and, you know, turned him into this, you know, angry person. And that's where he became the whole idea of the demon that we know, yeah. you know, and, and it's worth mentioning though. He takes, he takes the name of the demon's head and he still doesn't really believe in the demon. He's, he's kind of mocking right. it in a way well, by like, sort of he's, saying, yeah, he's yeah. That's what I've always loved about Roz. Right. Cause underneath he's the ultimate kind of bond villain that way to where he's created this persona for himself that he doesn't necessarily completely buy. Um, except for after years and years and years when he's been doing this, because when he finally brings his mom back, right, he looks like the modern Razal Ghoul. So this isn't, you know, this is what looks like it's been some time to almost like he's drank his own Kool Aid now. Yeah, I mean, it changes from, uh, they say, you know, he, the, the demons head oh, it's to, to mock them, you know, he's mm-hmm. above right. them. And we have, oh, you know, the, the idea that. Oh well, we need to free you know that his mom's like oh, we need to free the demon to purge mm-hmm. the planet and start over, and Raz's like now nah, the Earth's worth saving, you know, mm-hmm. and that doesn't really track necessarily with modern Raz. He is kind of all yeah. for raise it all down. Let's let's go again. Well, yeah, yeah. But I I took that in, in the way that she wants to completely burn it, start again. Whereas Raz has always been like, well, if we raise it all, then I have nothing to rule. I think you know. I think it's it's I think it's a point of contrast because obviously this mm-hmm. is still centuries ago and right. you know more experience, more time turns them into the Raz that we kind of know him as as, as present day stories. Um, but I mean, even she points out his hypocrisy because he uses the book of the demon yeah. to like mm-hmm. trap her in Lazarus Island. That's kind of what creates this right. place as a kind of you know she can't leave it right, but she can invite right. other people. And part of the whole point of the, the tournament is to kind of feed the demon so that eventually it can kind of mm-hmm. break out of it and it'll take take away the curse, if you want to call it that. Right, um, which which we saw, right, when it inhabited Connor. Yeah. And then, you know. Uh, but, um, like, this idea, she she points out his hypocrisy, like, you know, you, you claim not to believe in the demon or the magic and stuff, but you just used it to trap me here. Like, mm-hmm. so... You know, he uncharacteristically used it as a tool, even though it was never his thing in the first place. Uh, but I do, I do love this, this, this casual mention, and there's this one, like, two-page layout. It, it just sort of mentions, oh, yeah, they went to war over what the Lazarus should be used for. You know, the League of mm-hmm. the, the League of Lazarus went to war with the Shadows and the Assassins over mm-hmm. the control of the Lazarus pits. Like, I kind of love that at some point in history, Razagul went to war with his mother over <laughs> the mm-hmm. Lazarus pits. And, and, and this is where, for me, 
this feels like exposition backstory as opposed to because this feels like there's a story here and instead i get this really condensed oh uh, you know here's 10 pages give or take of just here's what you need to know the cliff notes at the history textbook quick I mean, rather than the story yeah but i think that with someone like raz al ghul that's fine because he has been around for centuries and what who I'm knows? Maybe is, Williams... I, want, I, I want the six issue mini of this story. Right, right. And maybe Williamson has that. Maybe, maybe you can get that later. It's not, not yeah. that you can. You know. No, there's not. I just, for me, I don't think this is presented in a particularly appealing fashion. I think for yeah, me, no, I, had, this... I had no problem with it. I got yeah. pumped on that. I think for me, like, like this being thrown out there is like a th almost like a throwaway little thing, and there was a war over the Lazars. Like to to me, because I don't necessarily want a six issue mini about this war. I just like the idea that it happened. Well, <laughs> so... Yeah, it's like well, it's the idea of you know she they are the true believers, right? They're the zealots. They're the ones that yes. believe in the magic, and then you have Roz with the other side with the assassins and the League of Shadows. They're just you know mercenaries. Right, they don't believe in anything except for Roz's money or his support or whatever. Um, and the fact that he ultimately won and trapped them on the island, and you know what that says about Roz. I, I just, I, I love that all of a sudden, it, it, like having League of Shadows, League of Assassins, and League of Lazarus doesn't feel messy now. It feels like it all mm -hmm. kind of makes sense and fits together. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Uh, it was like different, and, and then it was like different does... branches of the same thing that then sort of turned on each other this is that's well, interesting yeah well and then it goes back to when we met, when we saw Roz at the beginning of, of robin during what was that issue like four where he's all zenned out on the beach and like mm. what's up with that Roz? you know like that doesn't seem to gel with the Roz that shows up at the end here also did we know that if you put a living person in a lazarus pit it will basically melt them oh <laughs> uh, I, maybe just on this this uh just on the island maybe island because yeah, yeah okay. they're feeding the, the winner yeah to, they're, just, they're feeding it to the, the demon right yeah yeah so it's That's an interesting why. it's just an interesting like contrast between like if you're dead it'll make you be alive i mean again, I, but... I don't know i don't think we've ever seen a living person go into the lazarus pit like yeah. you know maybe but um you're talking about that spread of the the, the war right but then there's this you know page where um the, where Mother Soul tells him, you know, it's it's not he doesn't have power, he has the gift and gives him this vision of of this bat demon fighting the Lazarus demon. And I just getting vibes back to the first Robin series that Damien started in with, with the Dragon Bat. Oh, I sure. forget his name. Um Goliath? Yeah, Goliath. It, 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 yeah, it was just yeah, remind I, I, me of that era. It's like, I like that this isn't like giving Damien superpowers because he shouldn't, he's a Robin. Mm -hmm. But right. this idea that he does have the lineage of the demon in him so that, you know, he, he can tap into some of these memories and sort of like mm -hmm. be connected to it, I think it's fine. Um, and yeah, so the idea that we have like a, a bat demon fighting this more traditional demon mm -hmm. is like, it's a perfect kind of encapsulation of like his character because he is of yep. the two family lines. Um, admittedly, yeah, it's a little... You know, convenient that once again there's a bat symbolism going on yeah. with something in history that has nothing yeah. to do with them. But I, I would say this isn't actually in history, though. This is this is just the stuff that's happening in his head. This oh, is you just representation. So. Oh, so yeah, well, yeah a personification I mean. of him. Okay, that's yeah, it. that's him. That's that's the bat doing battle with uh, our ghoul side, and you know, and that's the part that he has to. As much as he is Damian Wayne, he's gonna have to tap into being Damian Al Ghul. Yeah, at some that, point. That's the bit where. 
she she's like you know right we're really in your head you got to choose you know what, you, what you're going to be demon or bat essentially right mm -hmm. so i think it's it's just a artistic representation okay. of, of them which uh, which also goes back to the morrison stuff in batman 666 where he's kind of embraced both and he uses magic and whatnot you know so mm -hmm. I, I don't know if maybe williamson's pulling back from that or whatever but i, I really like the next part where he he kicks his grandma into dust well, because he realizes, like, oh, wait, we're in each other's head, so, like, yeah. Inception rules, I can just do things that I want. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> pardon me. Uh, that's what makes him wake up. Uh, and he's like, okay, we got to stop her. Uh, mm -hmm. Do all this stuff. Um, so, basically, she, she sort of, like, tries to, like, make him feel like shit because, like, hey, I would do anything for my son, would we just do the same for your parents? Hmm? Mm -hmm. How's your relationship with your father and your mother? And mother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so sure enough, uh, the big cliffhanger is that Zen Raz is showing up with a sword. Uh, and is that Talia next to him? I, I, I think it's yeah. Talia. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we're getting mother versus son next issue, uh, as is it says. She, is it more than is once, she, though? Because she got Leviathan back, I believe, at the end of the checkmate stuff. Well, that's, that's the beauty of the uh, double meaning, though, right? Is yeah. that you can have Talia versus yeah. Damien and mm -hmm. Raz versus yes. Mother Soul. Mother Soul, yep. So, so um, but, you know, I, I, I'm loving this book still. So yes. it's, it's a whole lot of fun to read. Um, and, I, and as much as I was bummed out we're not doing a time travel arc, um, it's still, you know, keeping kind of what I wanted to do. I was going to explore Raz. Uh, through through Damien's lens, mm -hmm. um, so that's a relationship I've always enjoyed. Like going back to to Morrison again and the resurrection of Ra's al Ghul, and at a certain point, Damien realizes he was only just meant to be the vessel for Ra's, you know, because it has to be someone from his bloodline, and that's the whole reason he was around. And it always added this kink in the relationship. But I'm glad that we're over. So to see them being able to interact more, um, I I really enjoy that. That's cool. All right. Uh, and they are just a quick uh, point. It's the same mm -hmm. artist as last time, I think. But uh, yep. uh, keeping up the style of the book quite faithfully, I think, doesn't mm -hmm. feel too altered. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I like you know, I like Mother Soul's like, reaction when Damien sort of breaks out of the dream effectively mm -hmm. uh, as a nicely animated moment of like it's, it's all cartoony, yeah. but that's that that fits the style of the book. The book's been like that since yeah. the start. Yeah. Yeah. So it's good stuff. Uh, all right, uh, Matt, what are you rating Robin issue ten? Uh, I'm giving this an 8.5. Very healthy, Connor. I'm going to give it a 6.5. I like the ideas, but just clunky ex execution for me. I can't wait till the end of the year now that I'm keeping track of these just so I can give our averages out and just see how much lower Connor is. Uh, I, I, I'm sorry, I'm more critical. I, I, well, actually, I like this issue. I, I'm probably not quite as, like, you know, jizzing all over it as Matt is, but... Yeah, I don't uh, think everybody likes it as much as I do. So, yeah, and that, that's okay. But I, I'm happy to give it the. I, I think it was an enjoyable bit of mythology that they're adding to everything here. Um, and I liked it because Damien is also part of the Al Ghul family line. Is that it's really smart to tap into that to like make him feel unique amongst the Bat family members, and that he's got this like thing that he can tap into that's mm -hmm. you know, a, a different bit of history. So that's cool. Uh, but there you go. That's uh, Robin issue ten. Task Force Z, issue four. Matthew Rosenberg writing with Eddie Barrows and Kieran McCoon on the R. I probably butchered that last name because the E and the are around, but whatever. Uh, so, in the last issue, 
was Jason barged into the mysterious leader who turned out to be Two-Face. So yeah. this issue is him confronting Two-Face in his office. Not Two-Face, Harvey. Well, yes. Yeah. At least as much as he claims he's Harvey Den right now. Uh, not looks like Two-Face though, obviously. <laughs> Just for the record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I always like that there is a distinction be- between who's in control, right? Yeah. Um, and, and here this feels very much like a rehabilitated Harvey Whereas in the past, we've got, you know, his whole face has been fixed, and that's what rehabs him. Here, it seems like he's made the steps that he wants to be Harvey Dent again. Um, and eventually, when that melts away, um, which I'm sure it will, how is Two-Face going to uh, react to all of this uh, Lazarus stuff? Yeah, I mean, he's, I he's, like he's given... Uh, there's, there's a couple of funny moments here where Jason like, electrocutes mm-hmm. him when he goes to open his drawer, but he was just going to yeah. offer him some something to drink yeah. and uh yeah there's just like there's, there's some decent back and forth with like jason todd saying oh i can't really trust you uh that he's like you're one to talk jason come on like mm-hmm. I, I know i know i've got maybe a worse history because i'm two-faced and all that but yeah. you know like we have skills here we can do stuff uh mentions that they're kind of on a trial basis with this task force they're, they're kind of trying to prove to the, the the shadier part of the government that they're worth having mm-hmm. and keeping around um Meanwhile, though, Mr. Bloom's up to something. Uh, mm-hmm. Mr. Bloom sneaks in to where Man Bat is and injects him with enough stuff to like turn him back into a human. So Kirk is like absolutely like horrified with how he looks as a zombie and whatever. Uh, my favorite part of this is when Deadshot kind of saunters in and Mr. Bloom, oh, it's just Deadshot. Uh, he says something like, oh, this is Man Bat in human form. Uh, his name is I want to say Carl. <laughs> like yeah. I, I love that he didn't know that his name was Kirk. That was really funny yeah. to me. <laughs> well, I also like uh, the dead shots. Like great, what the expletive are you guys doing here? Actually, I don't want to know. Uh, and he turns around and walks out. Well, it's... yeah, Bloom's up to something because uh, mm-hmm. he, you know, he's he's basically saying he's going to enlist Man Bat's help. Um, yeah. And remember, he's not dosed. Bloom's not dosed with anything. Yeah, because he's not dead. Yeah, yeah. right. Uh, so, and he immediately just turns him back into a bat again once he's made his first little sales pitch, and that's the end Good of the night, scene. Sweet human. <laughs> like, yeah, Mister uh, Bloom's been Bloom. really funny in this book. Like, yeah, that's that's a few well, times he's popped me. I feel like I feel like Snyder really wasn't interested in in doing anything with Bloom like this. He just wanted him to be this amorphous kind of villain for you know, the, the the Gordon Bat stuff. So here, Rosenberg's able just to imprint whatever personality, and I think it's working out. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of, like, Jason and uh, Harvey talking and, like, swinging his drink and looking out the window all moody. Uh, when Redhead goes to leave, there's, like, a SWAT team with guns, like, waiting for him. Is oh, yeah, opening the drawer was actually, like, a silent alarm to be ready. Mm-hmm. And Jason just kind of storms past them. Uh, but the idea is, is that he wants Jason to trust and believe in this idea so that he's like, oh, don't follow him, don't like arrest him and take him to the base, let him just go back there on his own. But he does see Batman on his way. And yeah. Batman's like, okay, you've got information, you've seen this like sort of like makeshift like permission to do this. Uh, he's got like a, like a not contract, but whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's time to like leave this, right? It's done. And just like, no, I want to see this through. I want to help this team. I want to actually accomplish something here. So they have a bit of a typical Jason and Batman fight about it. Uh, not physically, but just like 
ah, you never trust me to do the right thing, blah, 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 blah. You know, this, 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 the usual mm-hmm. shtick. Nothing particularly right. different. Um, but Amanda Waller shows up to talk to Harvey, says that he's, his team is done, She's they're not going to go through with it. Uh, but despite that, we cut to a mission uh, where Jason's taking the team uh, to what turns out to be a lab that has very similar stuff to what they do. They've got a bunch of Lazarus yeah. resin. And then a scientist shows up, including a woman who's another copy, or maybe the original, of all of these other scientist ladies who are identical mm-hmm. at the other base. And it becomes this weird thing where, like, you've been the one stealing our Lazarus resin around town. No, you've been stealing our stuff. And it's like, wait, who are the good guys here? <laughs> who are the bad guys? And yeah. it's Harvey been up to no good and copying someone else's work and whatever. Um, and they they also say, "Oh, you brought Bloom back to us. That's very nice of you." He's like, "What do you mm-hmm. mean brought back?" So it's setting up some stuff here at the end. Um, but uh, I did get uh, again the dark humor is quite good in that. Uh, Red Hood says, "Go easy on these uh, corpses that they're making us fight," and like Arkham Knight just like rips someone in half, cuts them in half. Yeah, <laughs> uh, really violent, really good stuff. <laughs> Um, it was perfect, Arkham Knight. Thank you. That was sarcastic that I retract my thanks. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's got a sense uh, of humor. It's good. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, so we get to this new, this uh, Amelia, or Dr. Shelley, and he says, I know who you are, Amelia. No, Delia. No, it was o-, o for two. How many of them are there? It's a question. Like, <laughs> we'll yeah. find out. Um, and she's, she seems more uh, like in charge of things here than the other ones do. Mm-hmm. Which is why I'm thinking she might be the original, if they're clones. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, uh, I don't know. We'll see. Um, uh, and then this this team that shows up at the end, is this a Suicide Squad, or is this a their version of the team? Because well, they don't... Of... I mean, Grundy technically dies all the time. Already. Yeah. Right. But the, the, the others don't look zombified to me, necessarily. They don't. And it, you got Copperhead, you got... Uh, is that KG Beast? KG Beast... Uh yeah. oh god. Zaz, it looks like. Zaz and then the Lady Scarecrow, whose name I looked up before we started and I've forgotten already. <laughs> yeah, I gotcha. It was something um, something something like Madame Nightmare Madame or something. Madame Fear. Some of that. But but yeah, so I didn't know if this was supposed to be a, a, a suicide squad or their own squad and they're just not yeah zombified. I think it's I, like they're running different experiments because they have zombified soldiers. They right. have zombified soldiers, but the fact that they had Bloom originally, apparently, and he's not yeah. dead, would imply that this that's, is their team. But they're, they're not zombies, true. though. But they've got they've got living villains right. as a team. Uh, right. That said, though, I wouldn't completely discount that Amanda Waller set in a team to like end this mission. Right. But I still I would still say it's probably this lab's team because that's that that narratively fits the idea that the found like mm-hmm. something that's just like theirs. Right. So. Right. We'll see. But that, that's a cliffhanger. Uh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I laughed a bunch. Uh, I'm liking the the interaction. Bloom's really like cracking me up. Um, and there's a couple of the villains that, are, of course, quite simple. Man Bat and Deadshot, of course, have been more anti heroes in recent years, so I've been kind of enjoying them. Uh, yeah, this is a fun book. Uh, yeah, good time, quick read. What are you giving it, Matt? Uh, seven point five. Uh, I think that seems pretty fair. Uh, I'd probably just go with a straight of seven. That's kind of in a similar place for Flash for me, but I'm just I'm having a good time. Uh, that's good. All right. Uh, so I'll take us on to 
Deathstroke Inc. Issue 5, Joshua Wilson writing with uh, Paolo uh, Pantalina on the art. So mm-hmm. uh, this was just you, Matt. So go for it. Yeah, so uh, this book keeps, like, originally I was hesitant because it's Deathstroke, but it's Williamson. Oh, and then you added Black Canary. I don't know what this book's doing anymore because it just seems like it's making up as it goes. Um, the art isn't by Howard Porter, like, like Pete said, but it's very much in that style. It has those hard lines, but it, I know Connor's not a big fan of Howard Porter. I like Howard Porter and certain stuff. This artist, I don't know if this is their normal look or they're emulating it, but there's some, like, we were talking about the Clayton Henry heads. Um, now we have uh, Pantalena heads to go with it uh, because <laughs> this opening page with Black Canary, she looks like the the Mars Attacks girl, think, if you remember. Um, Pantalena, I think, did a bunch of issues of Red Hood when I was being forced to read okay. that. So, so then you're you're kind of aware. Of I the, I described. I, I remember describing it as not Kenneth Rockefort. Yeah, it's along those lines too. It's actually probably closer to Rockefort than it is to Porter, but it has the heavy line work and the same kind of color work. So, and I I think I really think they're trying to emulate the the style. But mm-hmm. um, it starts with with Deathstroke, who's who's you know dying, and and Canary in the the negative zone. Um, where the crooked house from Prometheus is, and um, she Canary screams at Slade to get up. He wakes up and she's like, "I thought you had a healing factor." She's like, "I do, but it you know sometimes it takes to kick in, especially in a place like this, which is toxic." And he says that he's been there before because he's worked with Prometheus, but he, you know he made it clear that he didn't like working with him, but he's familiar with the house, so they they get into the crooked house. Um, and there ends up being two doors, one with a canary on it, one with Deathstroke's, you know, face on it. And they go through the doors and then it splits. Um, so for a little bit, we're kind of getting two, two different stories going on. And in Deathstroke's, he ends up in almost like this medieval kind of armor. Um, and his eye is fixed and he's in a place that looks like Titan's tower with the Teen Titans and Rose and um, and uh, Jericho, um, who can talk. And so everything seems like it's there. And then his other son, Grant, is alive, who he hugs. Uh, and then he, you know, that's when he realizes that there's something that, that's not quite right. Uh, as he's uh, going through that door, Canary goes through another one where she's also looking like in a medieval kind of vibe where she looks like the 80s version of herself with the the kind of headband style mask but in a full like cape and in the um fishnets look more like armor stuff and it looks like they're non depart at and uh ollie's there he's missing an eye he's afraid of her um and her mom's there and she is the which canary, uh, the red canary, and it looks like they're kind of this evil dynasty with all the other arrow characters, uh, and it starts to go sideways book? for her. Um, <laughs> I zoned out for a minute, and I just I heard evil like, dynasty with arrow characters, and I'm like, what? Yeah, <laughs> I did tell I was like the red canary with evil dynasty. Like, yeah, I'm like, I read all the issues except this one. What the hell happened? Yeah, exactly. So. 
for for her, she realizes it's wrong because they're all bad, and then Slade realizes it's wrong because everything's too good. You know, Grant's alive, Jericho can talk, he has his eye back, Rose is talking to him. Um and the Grant and the Red Canary, this is where the, the page kind of merges. Uh, and it says, this is the life you should have had. And they both charge. Um, they realize that none of this is real. Um, and it's all from trust. And so they end up there, keep charging through this house. And Libra's there and says that this was a test. Trust is all about balance. That's what Libra's about. The original Libra was her brother and that they want them to be part of the trust council um, because there's one hero, one villain, and this is how they're going to operate going forward. And she brings them into the trust council where you just see a bunch of people standing in shadow and Slade's like, I've had enough of this. I've seen this before. Um, there's another word for a council. It's the society. And he knocks down uh, the shadow inducer to reveal around this round table, you got uh, Count Vertigo, the Monocle, Phobia, Dr. Moon, Dr. Destiny, the Calculator, sitting at the head of the table, Deadline, Prometheus, Tattooed Man, Shrapnel, and Body Doubles. Um, and that these villains got together because the Legion of Doom uh, basically cut them out and they decided, the uh, Calculator decided that they almost destroyed the world. How are we going to have something to make money off of if there's no world. So he's like, you know, you don't need that kind of money or power. You just need money because money buys power. And so that's what trust is meant to be is, you know, these societies that they're going to, um, you know, the calculator says, my calculation showed that we're a hero and villain working together would give us the best results. We can't handle another round of our peers teaming with giant space gods. This may be, uh, we can just protect our interests and, you know, get rich. So it's weirdly a group of villains getting together to make sure that Luther doesn't pull the same kind of stuff he had before. Um, it calculated takes credit for all of this to when Slade pulls out his gun and shoots him right in the head and then shoots Libra in the chest. Like calculate is dead again. Yep. Um, which makes me think this isn't calculated given what Pete said in flash. Mm. Uh, granted, I don't know when any of this is taking you know, place. Given that it's Williamson, though, I'm pretty sure he's aware. I feel like Williamson stuff would take precedent get yeah. at the moment, right? Right. Mm -hmm. So, Calculator gets shot. Libra gets shot. Dinah is completely confused. He's like, why? He's like, well, you heard him. He kicks Slade out of the head of the table. He goes, they're all scared. They're looking for a leader. And look at this. I'm going to be king of uh, of the supervillains. And then he goes and sits on a throne. The, the Calculator sits out at the head of the table. He goes, I, I, I remember me. seeing that image of uh, King Deathstroke. Yep, and, and that's where it ends. In this book, I what started off as oh, this could be a fun Deathstroke book. To oh, we get Canary too. Okay, um, now we have Evil King Deathstroke. And given the fact that this is in the Crooked House still, and this is where Trust Council has set up all their their thing, I don't know how much of this is actually happening. Right, this could all just be probably none. Right. But the fact that it ends with Slade killing Calculator and Libra and completely, you know, again, this book's called Deathstroke Inc. 
So maybe this is kind of the the prologue to the full on story. Well, well, we thought this book was going to be like a, a pseudo sequel to the the priest stuff. Complete opposite of it. Um, this is completely banana pants. I wouldn't say it's a must read, right? And like, because it be is so in, flame. insane, right? But like, I didn't hate reading it. It is really out there, and I have no idea where it's going. Um, uh, it's got about two issues to get there before it's wrapped up in a big crossover with Batman. Yeah, so we'll we'll see how this all plays out. Um, the art wasn't wasn't much for me. Now that Connor pointed out, it's, it's AKA not Rockefort. Sorry, um, but I had to I had to get through months of that. So that's okay. Um, yeah, man. So again, it's not a must read. I'm gonna keep reading it, right? Because I have to see what the hell Williamson's doing. It seems like he's having just the most fun because it almost feels like he's just playing with house money. Like he can kind of do whatever he wants. Like we've been in a, a kingdom of cheetahs. Um, we had some weird nightmare scenario with a queen canary and Deathstroke and all this stuff. Uh, and there's only issue five. Like the Deathstroke's uh, into space. Well, I'm gonna call it now. This issue peaked in issue three when Death when Deathstroke was riding a unicorn. Yeah, uh, Deathstroke rode a unicorn. Um, yeah, I'm gonna keep reading it, but um, this is a seven. Uh, you know, it's it, not for everyone. The art's definitely not for everyone, but it's just crazy enough to work. <laughs> All right, there you go. Um, DC versus Vampires issue four. James Titan the fourth and Matthew Rosenberg with Otto Schmidt on the art and. This yeah continued as you kind of expect with first, stuff we set up. First issue, I would say I won't say it's a whiff, but definitely it felt like you know this is a longer story and we're in the mid part of it. Um, it's the first uh, issue they didn't have a big reveal thing, right? Yeah, let's put that there. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, the bulk of the issue is the fun joke of Oliver comes to kill Batman, thinking he's a vampire. Batman thinks Oliver's a vampire, and we get that wonderful moment where they're both trying to like stake each other or whatever. Is wait, you're trying to stake me? Yeah, because you're a vampire. But no, but you covered me with water. Yeah, holy water. Yeah. Wait. Uh, yeah. If I'm not a vampire, and you're yeah. not a vampire. Yeah. <laughs> then who's the vampire? Yeah. How good is that two-page spread of them fighting? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's great, yeah. Like yep. just before that moment, like, oh, it's so good. It's, <laughs> it's really good stuff. Uh, that made me laugh. You got Constantine Zatanna, where Constantine knows she's a vampire like instantly, mm-hmm. uh, but still hangs out with her and talks to her because why not? Very cozy. He's like because he's he's Constantine, and he's like I got it um, covered. Yeah, I, I do love that he just binds her automatically. He's like, yeah, you could have chat. Uh, if uh, we could have uh, had a chat, if you're done biting me with the whole biting me thing, which I just love him as like, yeah, I've dealt with vampires before. You yeah. guys aren't special. I, I, I like d- how fate shows up and just incinerates Zatanna, and he's like, what the hell, dude? I had it covered. She was fine. Yeah, he basically just like makes her implode yeah. with sunlight. He's like, here's sunlight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and she was a vampire. He's like, yeah, I know. What's your point? Uh, yeah. You think I'm thick? Yeah, uh, and there's some really great art here because even just when Oliver first shows up and Batman turns all the lights off in the cave and you just get his silhouette against the screen, just some really gorgeous mm-hmm. stuff. Um, it's good stuff. Uh, we also have Barbara investigating a hotel room where the uh, the the mother of all vampires might be staying, uh, mm-hmm. and Nightwing's there. They're flirting a little bit. Um, 
yeah, I mean, most of it is these this fight scene with Oliver and Batman, uh, and then that, of course, that turns into a little bit of dialogue with them uh, as Oliver's kind of like poking around various you know objects in the the Batcave. Mm-hmm. Um, Batman referring to the floor as the Bat Floor. Uh, uh, it made me laugh. <laughs> I'll, yeah. I'll give it that. <laughs> it's one of those things where I don't know why. Like I don't know. This is not really in voice for, for if if no. Ollie called it the bat floor. Yes. Yeah. Bruce calling it questionable, but I, I guess I'll let it slide. I think it just plays into this is you know this is a fun yeah. else world, so I don't yeah take it too seriously. I guess. Um. But like, also, but, Batman proclaiming, I don't trust people. <laughs> yeah, me too, Bruce. <laughs> me too. Yeah. So, Bruce basically, you know, reveals that Hal killed Barry. And mm-hmm. uh, we'll come back to the, the Red Toad cast scene in a minute. Um, and it's like, okay, that's horrible. I hope that's not true. Whatever. But then Wonder Woman shows up and very quickly, like, Batman realizes no, okay, she's one of them. Like, and Hal's there too. They start to fight, and then the rest of the Justice League shows up, and it never actually says if they're vampires or not. I suspect they're not as of yet, and right now they just think they're they're just believing, uh, you know, Wonder Woman and Hal that Batman or Oliver is behind this. I think so. I think it's get rid of the the well, Ollie just happens to be there, but the threat being, mm. you know, Bruce, Bruce, get rid of him first. Mm-hmm. and then worry about everything else because they, they don't need to they've already got them on their side yeah uh and then the other fun sequence is uh so jason todd's killing a vampire he's with Cass, and then gorilla grod the vampire shows up and fights with them <laughs> say that sentence again vampire gorilla grod i love it happens to be there uh face a little bit with them and basically gets knocked out the window so we get this and all you know what this is what we do in the showers is ruined this moment for me because all i could hear was bitch <laughs> well you you also didn't think about the ancestral dirt in a hotel because all i could think of was atlantic city <laughs> um what was it yeah. this is sheldon the leader yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, i want to watch second, second season again oh uh, Season three, you mean? That's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. season three. Uh, oh, that's what we do in the showers for anyone. Uh, very yeah. good show. Uh, but like, yeah. So Grodd, like, like basically gets thrown out the window, and he turns into a bat and flies away. That's I love, as well. It's he's like going backwards, like posed arms out. He's gonna fall yeah. on his back, and he just goes. It just, there's a puff of red smoke, and now he's yeah. a bat. Yeah. Uh, so yes, yeah, so I heard bat as as he was jumping out the window. Um. There's a tease here, though. Cash you finds... Gorilla Grodd voiced by Matt Berry. Oh, God, oh, God that'd be great. Uh, Why not? That'd actually be perfect. Yeah, Cash finds a Joker card at this crime scene uh, that we're looking at, so we might be dealing with a vampire Joker, or maybe just crazy Joker in a vampire world. Like, either either one sounds... I, both could be great. Yeah. But there's potential for both. I, I feel like the vampires don't want him. They're like, no, he's, he's too crazy for us. Yeah. He's too unpredictable. Yeah, he may not like adhere to because because they even mentioned that earlier on. Uh, I think it's I don't know if it's the the Bab scene, but maybe it's Bruce talks about how there's a hierarchy to the vampires that they mostly stick to. Uh, mm-hmm. They mostly mm-hmm. accept that there's someone in charge. Uh, Joker ain't going to do that. <laughs> Joker does not play well with others. Nah. He, I mean that's 
the whole why Harley is now a a hero, right? Like, um, mm. yeah. So yeah, the big cliffhanger though is the the fight with the Justice League in the back cave. Yeah. Uh, I, I had a good fight. I mean, the art's really good. Uh, I think Bruce and Oliver kind of realizing that they're on the same side, and it's like, yes, the the two more prominent non superhero characters are the ones who are going to have to save the day. If they, if they are going to save the day, I mean, this could all end in deceased levels of tragedy, but... <laughs> just while, while we're mentioning deceased, I, I was just perusing Twitter while uh, mm-hmm. while we were doing this, and um, someone asked Tynan on Twitter, uh, uh, I think it was Tynan, um, asking, you know, no, sorry, Tom Taylor, asking, are there any plans for deceased? That's, that's not why I said Tynan, I mean, it's because it's tied to this book. Yeah. Uh, you know, asking, are there any more plans for the deceased universe? And he just uh, quote tweeted it with the thinking emoji, so... Mm. Maybe more coming. Okay, I'm alright with that. Uh, I like that universe he's built up, bizarrely. Uh, yeah. But, and, and, but like I say, this here as well, it's similar rules where this could just go all tits up and everything could just be burned to hell mm-hmm. by the end and that could be a satisfying story still. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you think about vampire fiction versus zombie fiction and, you know, they're quite different. Um, like... You, with, with vampire stuff, there tends to be the the happier type ending, you know. More so, often than not, I would say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so yeah, I uh, I mean, I, I mean, I expect the ending is going to be cold snaps the last surviving human being who's taken out all the vampires, but we'll see. Possible. No. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah. but... just, they, don't, they don't even want cold snap. He's too useless. Yeah. <laughs> what are you rating DC versus um, vampires? I mean, seven point five. Five. Yep, cut. Um, give it an eight point five. Schmidt's art. Oh man. Yeah, I think I'm happy to split the difference and call that an eight. Uh, there you go. I, I had a good time. Uh, and the art, the art does elevate. Like it's a good, solid story with some fun character beats, but the art mm-hmm. kind of raises it up a bit. So, uh, good stuff. All right, Batman Catwoman special issue one. Tom King. Uh, with John Polyon and some others kind of filling in to mm-hmm. finish off his his art, uh, and the pages didn't do. It's kind of interesting. He's he's got like thirteen finished pages, and then he's got like a batch of pages where he did the layouts but didn't yeah. do the art, and then there's just a batch of pages that had to be completely done from scratch. So right. you, you, so it's really sad because you can kind of see where he was in the the process. What, what did they do with those other pages? Did they change the story to kind of? have a reason for them to be different eyes or are they kind of just well, trying to emulate the style the story as it is is actually it's, it's basically going through all of selena's life so it's constantly jumping through time periods anyway so mm-hmm. you can definitely tell they're trying to keep in style with his art though mm-hmm. as it goes on yeah um, um, as best they can because it switches over at a certain point and you can tell it's garrett's right yeah but it's not the typical garrett's style I mean, even even uh, when it switches uh, to like the uh, who is it that fills in? It's uh, Bernard Chang and Sean Crystal yeah. who do fourteen to twenty, which is the, still the layouts or or mm-hmm. the breakdowns are still John Polly on. But uh, I I think um, I, even at then when it switched to page fourteen, I kind of knew which one it was. I was like, okay, I can kind of yeah. see the difference. Um, but I mean, I mean, obviously, like this is kind of this weird example that's kind of on its own where. Under no circumstance are we ever going to complain that we got to see these last pages that he drew. Like we wanted no. to see them, so yes, get someone else to finish it off and give us. This is the this story. is the best case scenario. For yeah, something like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. so absolutely want to see it. And you know, what some of the backup matter that's afterwards is you get like an unused cover that he did. You get a few, you know, 
pages, you know, unfinished and things like that. Just to, like, yeah, celebrate everything. There's a couple of dedications in here. There's, mm-hmm. um, you know... So, a lot of pinups honoring... A lot of pinups. Um, Leon, yeah. Which, which I like. So, um, it's, it's mostly just bonus material. There is, like, a, a From the Vault story that Ram V uh, mm-hmm. wrote about Question, which I didn't go back and read, but it's about 10 pages or something like that. Um, but the main story is about 40 pages, which was which was the original length of the issue, I think, back when it was yeah. first solicited. And then, obviously, it changed uh, after uh leon's death uh so it's a bit of a bittersweet thing but it's obviously especially since this story is all about a life going from start to finish the premise of this story is that we basically go through a bunch of christmases in catwoman's life from the first time she like encountered a cat <laughs> mm-hmm. uh as a, as a child uh all the way up to her death in the future uh which actually goes past you know the timeline of the main story in the you know batman catwoman book funnily enough yeah and i just feel that's where it starts to get really tongue-kingy I feel like Tom King. <laughs> yeah, like it gets, it gets to where he he really wants it to, you know, because because the first, the first panel and the last panel, there's some, yeah, know, symmetry some, there. Yeah, you know, and I and I and personally, just my taste wise, I feel like I don't like that being Selena's end. Kind of affects it, um, a little bit for me, just because it seemed like he had that point, and we're just gonna work our way towards it because he wanted it to work with this origin you know because it, it starts on on her you know basically her being found in a dumpster as a baby um, yeah i'm not going to necessarily describe everything because there's a lot of christmases here to to go yeah. through i think the key ones is that as a child as because the orphanage is like funded by the waynes there's a there's a family mm-hmm. portrait of the waynes and there's a christmas where she kind of talks to like bruce in the painting because she's mm-hmm. lonely um and i wasn't sure i liked that that much when i was reading that page but i actually mm-hmm. it kind of sold me on it later on like when she's actually living at the manor with bruce and she sees yeah. that same portrait and she kind of sort of glances at the the young bruce wayne like i was like you know what you've kind of sold me on it with this moment that there's this kind of this like because I, I i hate when it's like oh it was destiny they were always going to be together yeah. kind of thing i, I don't well, like that I implication like the, but i like the fact that she doesn't know who this little boy is right like yeah. she just knows it's bruce wayne but she doesn't know him but she connects with him more than anyone else at the orphanage. Yeah. Well, um, I, I like that, you know, she does this talking thing before the Waynes die, and then there's a second page where mm-hmm. she's like, you know, I saw the paper, I stole the newspaper and saw that your parents were killed, mm-hmm. uh, kind of thing. Um, but we, yeah, we see her, like, go through her, like, our more troublesome teens, being in the, the sewers with the sewer king, and the, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, her, you know, pickpocketing necklaces, things like that. Yeah. Um. And it goes up through the early days of, of Batman and the first interactions with him as Catwoman. Uh, there's, like, three Joker scenes where she, like, Joker tells her the same joke every time and complains yep. that she doesn't think it's funny. You know, it is it's, it's very Tom Kingy in a lot of ways. And I don't necessarily mind that. I actually think this flows fairly well. And I, I got a, I got some decent hits of, like, feelings later on. Mm-hmm. I, I think some of the stuff where we're at the end of Bruce's life and it's him, like, his yeah. last days dying... Uh, the early stuff with like their daughter, like getting her first kitty, and um, you know Bruce giving her a sword when she's like sword, six, yeah. uh, and like well, Sel- I, I, Selena complaining yeah. she's six. Bruce is like, sorry, I put some nth metal on it so it'd be light. <laughs> yeah, but you can take it out when she's ready. 
Yeah. I, I, I love the extra just little element here, especially because uh, the little Helena runs away with the sword, screaming, Sword! I am Wonder Woman! And yeah. Selena looks pissed in the background. And I love that part of the reason she's extra pissed is that her first instinct is to, like, idolize Wonder Woman instead of her. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not like her mom uses a sword. I know, but yeah. it's just it's yeah. like a little insult to injury. Uh, but... Yeah, like, you know, she talks to her daughter about like how you know Bruce gets her pearls every year, and there's this running theme that Bruce sometimes tries to like buy stuff that Selena's going to steal because he wants her to have something to steal. But that kind of takes the the thrill away from her. Like you know, mm-hmm. there's a there's a lot of these like ideas that Tom King's getting that in the story. Uh, we get to see Helena as a Robin when she's like mm-hmm. twelve, and Selena yeah. thinks she's too young to be doing it, and Bruce is like, ah, Damien was like Robin when he was ten, but. He was raised by assassins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bruce, come on. So there's just all these ideas in them in these different situations. Bruce getting older. Uh, we have like crazy old man Riddler thinking he's robbing a bank, but he's <sighs> and, and you think he's in his green outfit, but he's actually not. He's actually just in the, the hospital like, gown with the bare ass. Yeah. yeah. And, and he's confused. And kind it's kind of sad. sad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like just all these fun little ideas um i'm pretty sure there's a moment here of them in the beach that is taken remember they did that issue with bruce's death yeah. in the annual uh mm-hmm. i think it was um i think that he's sort of mimicked one of those scenes here so, so it yeah. fits with that uh story continuity wise um yeah so just uh fun stuff uh mm-hmm. kind of touching places bittersweet in places uh selena's final act before her death is that she funds an orphanage just like the waynes did with the the money that Mm -hmm. she's got from bruce uh with a rule that every every orphan gets a cat (laughs) yeah (laughs) which is very selena uh and her ending is that she is mugged by some lowlife on in an alleyway and gets shot when she's criticizing his technique um it's kind of there is kind of the symmetry to it, not not only just because she ends with a cat licking her her head, mm-hmm. uh, as she was, was she was a kid, but also the idea that she's you know she's wearing these like perils and stuff that Bruce would always give her for Christmas, and mm-hmm. she ultimately died in an alleyway, you know, at the end of a gun. Mm-hmm. Um, um, it is sad that it was always going to end this way, but i don't necessarily hate that. like i mean again it's not in continuity because this is a, a future well, story yeah. like all of this story is but as a version of her ending i'm okay with it like you know i, I just yeah i almost just like i don't know i feel like selena dying on her own terms and I, maybe that's what the the smile is you're doing it all wrong you know yeah, um, I, I kind of get that she knows this is it. She's, she's yeah. sort of done everything she needs to do. Her daughter's grown up and is like Batwoman, and yeah. you know she, she's put the money to good use to help future generations. Um, yeah. Uh, I, never yeah. Actually, I never looked up what this quote was at the end that said uh, for GPL, because it's in a yeah. different language. Well, it's in Spanish, and I could try to translate it, but it would take me a minute. Yeah. Um, that's all right, Matt. Uh, yep. But that's that's the main story. Um, you know, it's it's. Uh, I I think it's a, a pretty solid sort of annual style issue that feels distinctly separate, uh, but obviously still feels like it fits into the themes of the main story. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, Jean Paul Leon's a wonderful artist, and it was a nice dedication to him. Uh, mm-hmm. 
was a bunch of you know bonus things at the end, including all the pinups, which obviously many of are gorgeous. Yeah, but a lot of them feel like they just threw them in there because, like, I mean, a lot of them do seem more related to Batman Catwoman than they are anything to do with John Paul Leon. Yeah, and like, look, I love Dennis Cowan. Don't get me wrong, but there's a static one in here, and I don't get why that one's in here. Sure, yeah. Uh, um, there's a well, no, I actually do know because uh, John Pillion's got a history with Milestone. Oh, okay. Well, then that's fair. I, I read that in the well, because one of the, the the essays that are in here okay. mentions that he had a big, he was a big part of Milestone. So that gotcha. that one actually makes sense. <laughs> funnily no, enough. no, it does make sense now. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. I was just like, why? Like, I I figured maybe him and Dennis Cowan were friends, and you know, um, yeah. But, there's a Bahamut yeah. one that's really nice, of course. Um, um, you know, yeah. Uh, so there's not really much more to add, to be honest. Uh, it's it's kind of this bittersweet issue that could, you know, like, like is it elevated because of it being this tribute issue to like the final pages mm-hmm. of this great artist. Yeah, it kind of is. Um, but it it, it does have a nice uh thing. Uh. There's actually there's a really nice one of Superman holding up a, a like a train that has a, freight a train. Yeah, JPL yeah, at the front of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nice. I also really like the Tula Lote one with, with Bruce and Selena. And she put in there Our World Lost a Hero, Rest in Peace. Uh JPL. Yeah. I was like, oh man, that's and then the Rorschach one by Gibbons. Um I just yeah. love that. Yeah, Gibbons one's nice because it's just, it's just like Rorschach saying something very Rorschachy about yeah. him. Yeah, John Paulian, good man, drew well, black and white, never compromised. Yeah, yeah just uh, yeah, that one fits. Um, but yeah, I, I gotta go back and read the the Ram V story, um, because I I spaced on it, so. Yeah, I just had a lot to read, so I I just opted. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know what, I don't think I need to read this. I think, yeah. but like I'm sure it's a fun little story, um. All right, what are you giving the Batman Catwoman special on um, that? I'm going to give this... Uh, man, I'm trying not to make it sound too harsh. I'll give it a 7.5. Sure. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to just give it a 7. I, I think, um, obviously, the art is good, but inconsistent for obvious reasons. And uh, there's some nice sentiments. It's very bittersweet. I do think some of the pages and moments in Selena's life do hit quite well. Mm-hmm. Uh but I think some of the murkiness to it is just kind of where I'm feeling with this story in general, and that it's just not necessarily been clicking in every cylinder, as it were. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, so that's that. Hope you're enjoying uh, your, your your break, Connor, because it's continuing. Uh, There's more. God damn it! The Human Target issue four. Tom King. I get my book back out <laughs> with Greg Smallwood <laughs> on art. Uh, oh so if you thought we were a, bit, a little bit critical of that Tom King, but don't worry, I'm about to heap praise all over this one. <laughs> yeah, and this is this is Tom King in uh, like unconventional Tom King because he really is doing a noir story here. Um, and and oh, man, I, I, I saw you went with the easy joke about that ice page. Um. Oh man, this is one of the most like mildly erotic issues of a comic I've read in quite yep. some time. Like the sexual tension and the build yep. up to her basically saying, "Look, when you give me an orgasm, it's probably going to get quite cold in here because <laughs> I'm not going to be able to control it." The and not just that, the the little moments, them sitting in the in, in the bug, 
Well, and that's the thing. That, that, dialogue, that dialogue that I just said obviously is a big part of it, right? Because she says, yeah. when I lose control, it's going to get quite cold. But the panel right. that that's on, she is biting her lip. And right. that leads to something that I'm going to praise this entire issue for, is the facial expressions and the performances mm-hmm. of the of the created actors, if you will, from this yep. art. Smallwood is one of the best like storytelling like faces I've ever seen. The mm-hmm. the way that like Chance just looks at her or when he's thinking about oh. something and he's considering things, like every single time like, he can, he just tells a story with like glances in a way that they are so good that it conveys the emotions oh. that are being portrayed. And it really reminds me of Kevin Maguire's art and that that this is based off of the Justice League International time. Because that was always very expressive as well. But this is doing that was going for more of a comedy angle. Yeah. Here it's going for all of the stuff that you were just talking about, about telling the story through the looks of an eye and the way that the, you know, the body languages. Yeah, here. I mean the the story of the issue is that, you know, they they go together to uh, Cord Industries to t- ask Ted about, you know, basically, did you did you try to assassinate Lex Luthor? And the joke of the issue is that Ted gets asked one question and then never shuts up trying to answer the rest of the issue, basically saying, well, here's all the reasons why you probably wouldn't believe me if I just said no, because I have all these reasons to kill him, but I don't kill him because I don't kill people. And he just he kind of keeps talking, but I, this all happens and plays out as he's getting different calls to go be Blue Beetle in different places. So him and Ace team up for these different things. There's a bank robbery here. There's mm-hmm. another thing here, and basically throughout, it's you know, it's Chance watching and analyzing in his narration. Mm-hmm. But the stuff that really made this thing was all the little moments of the romance, of the attraction. Mm-hmm. It's you know that the, when they're going to the the the, the Beetle uh, ship, uh, like there's a little moment where she's like, "Hey, I can feel you looking at me." Uh, and he's like, oh, so I was just wondering where you keep your caution. So it starts off pretty flirty, uh, as Ted's just rambling on, and then they're sitting together in this one, like, sort of little chair at the back of the ship, and she's like, it's cozy. But every time we come back to this, which, although before I move on, that full-page spread of the ship leaving the building that's above mm-hmm. the clouds, beautiful. Yep. Perfect. Um, but yeah, so she's kind of, like, snuggles in close and, like, puts her head on his shoulder this first time, but then you get to the second time, and it like turns into, like, oh, now it's like the the hands over the shoulder, and she's like, you know, mm-hmm. holding it with her hand, so yeah. it's getting more intimate. And then the third time, you see her hand like sort of like grab his leg and like the inside of his leg, and it's like, oh, this is getting, you know, closer mm-hmm. and closer. Um, and there's a line somewhere in the middle where, you know, sometimes I look at you so much, I just you know, I lose my breath, and then later on, like like after when he comments and like what they were doing during a fight she says oh you were watching and yet you're still breathing like this like, mm-hmm. it, it, it builds this like tension and like yep. attraction throughout the issue at a perfect pace so at the end of the issue when he goes up to his room and she's waiting for him and you know says what she says and bites her lip it's like this, this is this is crescendoed beautifully throughout the entire issue um, mm-hmm. in a way that is very expertly done. Uh, and the entire time, you've got also the running comedy of Ted getting drunk and, like, sort of spilling, you know, whatever he can about Booster, about whatever's going on. And Chance, instead of, because he says that usually, you, you know, you make someone drink because they'll start talking. Like, <laughs> here, here he's hoping he'll shut up because he'll eventually pass yeah. out. 
Yeah, so because because Cord's doing the like I kind of read it in the Robert Downey Jr. Iron Man cadence, mm. you know, um, and that he's just talking to hear himself talk, um, and then we he reveals through this with like with Booster is that Booster wanted him to help him with the bagels. Yeah, Booster's but bagels. Like, oh. yeah. yeah, Booster. But he's like Booster needs to stand on his own sometimes, um, you know. So you told him no. Um, he goes, you're a decent person, Ted. And then he did get the money. He says he got the Martian to do it for him. And so there's the breadcrumb that now, now we have Jean uh, getting brought up. And he goes, he somehow got Booster, or somehow Booster got his money. Um, and then he passes out. So, um, yeah, Ted Cord is kind of endearing in this. Is that he, he has a motor mouth, right? And that, he, and, and it's almost, there's also, um, an underhanded quality to him because, you know, they started off in on the West Coast and then each stop they got progressively to where they end up in Boston, almost as if, you know, Cord was almost trying to lead them away from from where they were. Um, but who knows? That could just be a red herring. Yeah, um, I think obviously it's a reason. That's why they're in a hotel at the end of the issue as well, because right. they're, they're, they're outside of the country. Right. Um, but like, and yeah, there's a lot of like there's all these issues I've had. There's a lot of chance reflecting on himself and like, oh, I should be spending my last week with family, with loved ones, because mm-hmm. I don't have loved ones. Right. Uh, so <laughs> here I am. Um, and you know, at one point, you know, Ace is like, you know, you could have helped with that, you know, fight against these bad guys. Yeah. He's like, I'm not a superhero. And she's like, well, what are you then? Uh, and you know, it's it's almost this idea that maybe. Assuming that she is genuine and this is like a, a romance that's flourishing and she's not like the femme fatale that is dangerous, mm-hmm. which I'm not convinced she isn't still, <laughs> even though... No, I don't I don't trust her. I've seen enough movies. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's the thing. It's not that I don't trust Ace as a character. It's that Ace in no. this, which, to be honest, yeah. this is the best Ace story I've ever read at this point because it's not like there's a lot well, of good Ace stories necessarily. I mean, well, yeah, and, and it closes, right? So we when we got her um, origin, right, they talk about how she's a, a Nordic goddess, right? But then we find her actual thing that, no, she's just a meta who has ice powers. But here at the end, you know, because truth is she's not a superhero, just like he's not. She's a god. And it's just like, oh, okay. So well, there's, there's keen that, subverting. Well, not just that. So so I mentioned the power she bites her lip and says, yeah. oh, it'll get, it'll get cold in here when I lose control, mm-hmm. right? Which is already, like... Like she's basically saying, like you're going to do well, right? You're you're right. going to please me. So that all of it's already kind of like a an erotic thing to say. Mm-hmm. But then the kiss and his narration, his final narration as they go mm-hmm. off panel is, "She's a god. All I can think to do is get in my knees and pray." I mean, he's getting uh, on his knees. There's a bit of a visual that it's like sort yeah. of implying there, uh, like uh, in the idea that he's now worshiping her, which right. you could also interpret as. Her feminine whales have completely worked, and he is right. now treating her like a god. Right. And in the way that a man who becomes obsessed with a beautiful woman does, you know? Right. Like, like, so, like, there's a lot at play here that is like, okay, okay. Uh, but yeah, steamy last page, what can I say? Yeah. I was wiping my brow. You know, I just, when I talked about stuff in, in Batman Catwoman being Tom Kingy, you know, with the, with, you know, the parallel stuff, here it worked out, because the whole part of she's a god after specifically earlier in the series telling us that she's not, mm. you know, but here just over this time he spent with her now, now in, in his mind, she is. And it's just, okay. See King, this is where it works out better. Yes. Um, but, uh, yeah. 
Uh, art is like next level stuff, honestly. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, because there's like pages where he's like just watching them like deal with the bank robbery, and it's him mm-hmm. just leaning against like the, the the bottom of the ship, and later on yeah. he's leaning against a tree, and it's just like a sequence of four panels, and every one he's got a very different expression, and it's all just it, it goes with like this idea that he's mm-hmm. thinking about stuff and he's he's reacting. Uh, one of the key points he brings up over the course of this, because it teases this throughout the issue, is that he says that there's something disingenuous about these like heroics and mm-hmm. it's at the end of the issue he reveals that ace is holding back because she she's letting ted like because she could just deal with it herself very quickly right but she's letting ted feel like a hero by like giving him a chance to like do some stuff mm-hmm. and beat some bad guys up Give uh, him something to do so it's like well if she's been disingenuous with that then how disingenuous has she been with right. everything right so yeah it's very interesting uh uh super into it Art is next level. So good. Yeah. Uh, wonderful stuff. Uh, there's a skyrocketing to, you know, and it, it's good because both Rorschach and Strange Adventures ended, so it's nice that this one's actually up, up at that tier of quality. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt, what are you giving Human Target issue for? Uh, do, I, do, do I do it? I'll just give it the 10. <laughs> I have to admit, I'm, I'm thinking about it. Uh, Yeah, I'm going 10. Like, I was just so, like, impressed as I was reading it. It was just doing wonderful things and telling a story. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, cool. Well, we're at the Patreon books then. So, Connor's up first. Uh, everyone to patreon.com, you can uh, make myself or Connor read a book at one of the higher tiers. Uh, Connor's going to talk about Harley Quinn issue 11, which is a new release from this week. So, I will note down his rating accordingly. Oh. Oh, that, that that makes a difference this time, doesn't it? Well, you know, it's unusual. Um, uh, yeah, it's uh, Rosmo's back. <laughs> I know, Rosmo's the, back. Uh, the issues were back again. Time, but... uh... Right, so this issue starts as a two or three page. I think it's three three pages cold open. That should not be a cold open. There's no no reason whatsoever for it to be at the start of the book and not at the end. Uh, you know, it, it it has a... There's a train full of bombs and it's going down a track and it's got... It, it, it basically boils down to Harley's going to have to make a decision about who it's going to run over. Uh, is it going to go into Gotham or is it going to go into Kevin? Because Kevin is tied to the tracks. The problem with this entire issue, because that's the the crux of the issue. Like the, the end of the issue is is Harley making that difficult choice. It is literally, as as it is brought up in the issue, it's the uh, it's the trolley experiment. You know, the the thought experiment. Do you save one person? Or do you save the group? Right. Right. The issue ends with her making that big decision. She's like, "Oh, sorry, Kevin. I'm going to have to, you know, divert it away to you instead of the thousands of people that are being in Gotham Central." The problem is, the opening of this issue already shows us it's barreling at Kevin. It's like right at Kevin. It is just before it gets to Kevin is the opening of this issue. And I'm like, you completely undercut your whole ending of this big dramatic choice of Harley making this thing by showing it me in the first two pages. It, it, it just made it completely irrelevant. So that's just frustrating. Why would you do that to yourself from a storytelling perspective? Um, but 
the rest of the issue, it's it's, it's not too hot either. Uh, you've got Harley and her support group, the uh, the Clowns Anonymous or whatever they're called. Uh, it's just yeah, again, still the the people who who used to work for Joker, and she's you know helping them out and. You know, there's a bit of a meeting. And it's like, oh, Kevin's not here, and and then she finds the ransom note because Keepsake's kidnapped him, and then kid, you know, Keepsake explains the whole thought experiment. There's a some awkward wordplay where she says, "Don't be such a cant, Keepsake," which, yes, <laughs> the uh, the implication of the word that I definitely did not say for the sake of uh, YouTube's yes. Restrictions that did not say it, um, but yes, the intention is it sounds like that. But it's also Immanuel Kant is the name of the German philosopher who came up with the trolley problem. <laughs> That's actually more clever. Good, good job, Phillips. That part is clever. Where it gets less clever is I then have six pages of why Terminator is better than Terminator Two, which I happen to agree with. <laughs> but I don't need six pages of dialogue from Harley telling me the six I'm... pages of my Terminator uh, once well, by the Terminator. Let, let me, uh, let me add you count. I may have exaggerated. I mean, I agree with the sentiment as well, and I love Terminator right. Two. This is not a diss against Terminator Two. Let me make that clear. So you got the, it starts with her referencing he's, he's referencing it in the fight, and then another page, three, four. Four pages, sorry. But it go this this thing goes over four. That, pages. that is a lot though for for a sort of tangent, basically. Yeah. That's that's a quarter of the almost a quarter of the book. Is this Terminator? Like again, I agree with the point here, but it's a lot of waffle that is going on. And I don't I know this is Harley, but this is a lot of waffle on a very specific weird thing that just has no. It has no reference to the book, other than, oh, there's, they find some, uh, it, it's like a, a robot thing at one point, and she's like, I don't suppose you're, you know, like T2, where you're going to turn out to be good. And that's the extent of the reference, basically. And then I have four pages of Terminator talk. Why? I, I don't know. It, it's, it's wild. And yeah, I, I just don't agree with a lot of the choices there. The art is is still rough. It's, you know, it's Rosmo. There's a couple. There's a one point. I don't know if I know where I actually struggled with the direction of where to read it, um, because of, because of the layouts, and where the uh, the word boxes were. It actually led me to read something in the wrong order at first, and I had to go back and read it in the correct order, because it was just laid out in a. Just in a bit of a confusing fashion, and a bit, maybe that's on the letter. I don't know, um, but either way, uh, did not appreciate having to read this twice, or at least parts of it twice. Yeah, it's it's not good. It's it's really not good. Maybe like a three. <laughs> All right, there you go. So you're at ten. The, the books you get forced to read might really drag down your average as well. Now, I'll give it a three point five just for the wordplay. Oh. Okay. Okay. Um, but see, I'd, I'd say it will drag down my average, but usually they don't get done on the week of release. I'm yeah, you know, more often than not, they're kind of pushed into other weeks. So 
should hopefully not have that problem too much. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I ordered food while you were talking about that. Just to <laughs> time, time this with the end of the show nicely. Right. I'll be honest. I, I thought about it, but, you know. <laughs> I I I got to ruminate in the fact that the the Rams handed Tom Brady his last game, so his, I, we're finishing I'm very early enough that the chip is still open. That depending on if Paige is still awake. Wait, that, what that time? Can... No, or, no, I'm not going to tell you. What time really close? Cause, 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 <laughs> I'm not <gonna> <laughs> um, yeah. All right, so I'm going to be talking about uh, American Vampire issue twenty two. Uh, this is me getting back. Now. Yeah, this is me getting back to the main series after Survival the First, and uh, this is completely separate on my comicsology. <laughs> so I'm, I'm sort of stalling while I try to open the book. Uh, anyway, so basically, uh, this is the the fifties arc. This is the 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 greaser. I think his name's Travis. The, the this kid who's in like a road race, uh, and it starts off him talking about death and like how. People are saying that the younglings of the day, they're all, they're all, you know, going to ruin us all. Uh, not much has changed in the last 60, 70 years. Uh, but it flashes back to kind of like the story of the day, which is that he's taking his girlfriend home, who's scared to let her parents know she was out all night and that she's seeing him. And he's really cocky and confident. And it's like, you know, you're kind of like, where's this going? But then when the parents come out, you can kind of tell, okay, they're vampires. Like, the dad's clearly a vampire. And the mum probably is too, but you can tell the dad's a vampire. Um, and, the you know, it's like, okay, is he getting into a trap? Is he in over his head? But once he gets into the into the house, it very quickly pulls out a gun and starts blasting. And he's like, I'm saving you from these blood-sucking freaks. And it seems like this whole setup was that they forced this young girl to lure men back to the house so they could kill them. It was like a like a slavery delivery service. Uh, but she actually really likes him. She talks about running away with him. Uh, he's kind of standoffish about it and says, ah, that's a nice daydream kid, but uh, not for me. So he is, you know, he, we get this big fight scene with him, like, staking the vampires multiple times. They're slashing their swipes. He stabs the, the, the mum through the, the chin looks really nasty, uh, really good energy to it, uh, but he leaves, he leaves the girl behind, he's like, you know, this is not, this is not, you know, like, you're not coming with me, kind of thing, and she's got the tear going down her eye, uh, so it's, it's very 50s, you know, it's, it's going for that, that greaser punk, kind of, he's got the sunglasses, the leather jacket, all that stuff, it's really thriving in its time period, and this is a book that's been jumping through the time periods, but when he gets back in his car, Hobbs is waiting for him, and Hobbs has already tried to recruit him before, because he's an amateur vampire hunter. He's not he's never worked with the, the vassals. He's completely on his own. And Hobbs is like, You're really good for being untrained, but you really need to like come in. But he seems to always be impressed by him. He's always kind of like, you know, snorking and going, ah, cocky kid, or like, ah, what a smart little prick, things like that. But he's got a file for about the vampire who ruined his life uh, by killing his parents. And he never says it. And I don't remember who it is from reading this before. But I've got a sneaking suspicion there's only one vampire it probably could turn out to be that will, you know, tie it into the overall plot of American Vampire. Just a little suspicion that it may be one Skinner Sweet. Um, and we know that the other driver in the race is also a vampire. 
so when we come back to this race, which is later that night, uh, they're going, like, you know, down this, like, mountain road. There's a lot of, like, cliff faces and things. Uh, eventually, the back of the, the car, the boot, or, the, sorry, the trunk, for the Americans to understand what I'm saying, uh, it opens, and his kind of girlfriend, who's really in love with them, is tied up in the, the back of the car uh, as they go flying off uh, a cliff. Um, so, big cliffhanger. I think what this issue does really well is that it really oozes in its new time period and makes you feel that the entire time. The idea of, like, teenage punks and road races... I mean, it's a very 50s version of a teenage punk, but that's very much when, like, teen culture started, was that era. You know, we didn't really have that before then. Yeah, post, post-World War Two. Yeah, so yeah. It, it oozes and it feels different because of that. It really does a good job of introducing this new character. And giving you a, a new kind of, like, setup for, like, what vampires are doing out in this type of, like, landscape, out in, like, the suburbs of, like, these small American towns. They're they're using, like, humans as, like, bait for, for victims. And that's kind of interesting. Uh, and there's other houses on the street that she knows are, is doing the same thing, so... Uh, so really good stuff. Obviously, the art's great. This is like an uh, an issue where it is a lot a lot of it is the art because it is there's a big extended fight sequence with two vampires, and then the rest of it's like an extended car chase sequence at the start and the end. So there's a lot of speed lines. Like this is the most speed lines I mean, I've ever seen from like Albuquerque in like a single issue. So not that I'm complaining. It flows really quick. Uh, no pun intended. Um, yeah, so it's kind of, you know, basically it's everything you want out of American Vampire, it's fun action, good horror, like, plays on what the vampires are doing, but it's, like, adding more to the mythology as it goes, and if anything, the strongest selling point for American Vampire in many ways is just how it keeps building the mythology of how the different types of vampires operate, and how they've operated in different eras of history, so this is just another slice of that, so there's really not much to complain about, it's a very easy 8.5. So, there you go. Uh, but yeah, that'll take out the part of the show where we pick our favourite stuff of the week, favourite panel slash moment, favourite cover, favourite art, top five books. Uh, so I will start with Matt's panel slash moment of the week. Oh man, where do I, where do I go? I know you're going to uh, represent uh, the, the human target. So... Hmm. Do, I do, do, I, do I go crazy and go Deathstroke? <laughs> no, I'm not that insane. Um, I'll go actually from from Superman from Action Comics, where uh, you say that as if it's a surprise. Well, actually, I'm going to use a Superman yeah. comic. Hi, I'm surprised. It's going to be from from the beginning scene where he's in the gladiatorial arena, and he's he's knocked the big, you know, bold dinosaur looking beast down. It just it looks like a, a cover of a Pulp Fiction, you know, from the mm. 30s or 40s. Uh, Federici is just fantastic. All right, Connor. Yeah, I'm surprised because I'm I'm, I'm going to say it just because Matt didn't because I feel like Matt's just overlooked it. Uh, Dan Mora, Poison Ivy. <laughs> no, I I, I didn't want to get yelled at for being a self parody. All right, well I'll, I'll get on your behalf. Okay, there you go. Thank you, sir. Fine, Connor's a self parody then. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, uh, I like to parody on Matt. I mean, I'll be honest. I don't know how I pick one moment from Human Target. Like it was. Well, yeah, part of it. I figured you'd go with the last page. Yeah, I mean, it probably um, is the last page because everything crescendos to that point beautifully. But Pete, Pete had to pour ice in his crotch after that. 
um but no i, I love the full page spread of them leaving the tower uh, i think that's great like almost mm-hmm. every time they glance at each other is great uh, i think there's a lot of stuff in action that i could have picked as well if, if it wasn't for the fact that human target was out this week alongside it it probably would have been something from action uh maybe detective a push with the big reveal at the end but yeah uh, yeah last page of human target is probably the safe pick that it re- reflects the the what i remember the most from this week so i'll go with that but there's good stuff from dc versus vampires to like you know there's a lot of stuff to pick this week basically um all right uh so we'll go on to cover of the week um i've got a couple picked out basically all three action comics covers uh are mm-hmm. all worth picking in some way I'll also put out the Matina variant for DC versus Vampires. I think if I'm picking just one, though, um, I think I have to go with the Federici variant for action, which is the 1 in 25 variant. Uh, it's the red cover. Uh, Superman's got his plate on his chest and Mongol's face is behind him. It's pretty, just... Pretty lucky of us to get two Federici covers, right? Yeah. For, for action. Yeah. So, there you go. Uh... Connor? Yeah, uh, it says a lot about how many good covers there are this week, where that Matina variant isn't even in my top five. <laughs> uh, it's still gorgeous, I mean. This, yeah. It is. Um, I'm going to shout out the uh, Batman Catwoman variant, the, the Lee Weeks one. Oh yeah, Lee Weeks did a cover, yeah, that's mm-hmm. pretty good. Even the main cover for that with the Christmas tree is nice. It's just, it's just kind it of is. out of date it's, now. <laughs> it just doesn't stand out as much as some of the other covers this week. It's still, it's still nice, yeah. Uh, but now I'm just looking at all, all the um, the detective variants because it's 1050s so that went overboard. I will yeah. say I stopped looking at them because I felt like the couple I looked at was like these feel really slutty, so I'm just going to stop looking at them. <laughs> well, I think one of them is. I don't think any of the others are though. The the, the Catwoman one is. Yeah, I, I think the, I think the Batgirl one's a little on the. Oh no, I I'm going with. I don't think that's slutty at all. I, it's it's a magazine cover. Is the the idea? It's, it, when, I when I say it's like, I don't mean it's like a revealing outfit. I mean just the, the way the face is drawn feels like it's. It's not like a thrust trap to me, but I mean. I, bet, I don't know. I, I it feels like a it feels like a glamour cover, mm-hmm. like, yeah. like you know, through the what cosmopolitan. Is, is, it, is it intentionally sexy? Yes. Mm-hmm. Is it in any way? slutty or you know no the poorly drawn or you know like falling into any of the traps that you often see in comics i don't think so no like the catwoman one though i, I could see the argument because that just seems yeah. like I, the Catwoman's I, like Here's I, I, I guess what i guess what i mean is is that it feels like it's oddly sexualized and I, I, yeah i get you saying it's going for this type of magazine mm-hmm. cover but i'm not sure why like i don't know just, i guess it feels like a character for batgirl i guess is my, my, my main thing like, it makes more sense with a Catwoman or, like, a Poison Ivy on that type of cover to me. Because it so fits I, their personalities I, more. I don't think it's that high character, personally, but I, I'm going with that cover anyway. I think it's just a fantastic fine. cover. Next next week, we'll get a, a Mac Kent variant where she's doing all sexy <laughs> pose. Sure, yeah, why not? Come and plow my fields. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I <ain't> you cross. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Matt, pick a cover. <laughs> uh, human Target, Dave Johnson variant. It looks like an old Saul Bass. I mean, yeah, both uh, Human Target covers are good, but I actually didn't consider either of them just because I like the action one so much. That yeah, I just, yeah, yeah. But it was just but strange, yeah, I... though, because the first three issues all, I think, won for me, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. Uh, or were close to winning, anyway. Uh, yep. All right, uh, so Art of the Week, Connor, you can start. Uh, action for me. And I, I think it's easy because I didn't read Human Target, yes. so I don't have to have mm-hmm. that debate. 
So yeah, it's just action. Yeah, it's human target for me, Matt. <laughs> yeah, human target. There's yeah. no other like no question. As much as I would love to say Mora, right, for the little story, I can't. I think yeah, action was fantastic. You know? Obviously, like, there's a lot of good yeah. art this week, but mm-hmm. human target wins. Uh, all right, top five books, Matt. Go. Uh, number one, human target. Number two, action comics. Number three, Robin. Number four, tech. And number five. Uh, what do you go with number five? Uh, DC vs. Vampires. Cool. Connor? Uh, action, DC vs. Vampires, tech, then Robin. Cool. Number one for me is the human target. Number two is action comics. Number three is detective comics. Number four is... Uh, I'll, I'll go... I'll go DC vs. Vampires, then number five is Robin. There you go. So there you go. That's uh, that's our favorite stuff of the week. Uh, I will now tell you what's coming next week from DC Comics. So buckle Not in. Not a lot. Uh, well, good because I've got Iron Man to read next week, so I'm I'm happy that it's not a lot. Uh, it makes my life easy. Uh, we got Batman 120. We have Detective Comics 1051. Dark Knights of Steel issue four. Suicide Squad issue twelve. Justice League Incarnate issue four. Arkham City: The Order of the World issue five. The Joker: A Puzzle Box. Or sorry, Joker presents a puzzle box issue seven, One Star Squadron issue three, Monkey Prince issue one, World of Krypton issue three is what wraps it up. So yeah, uh, I think I've got six, including trying out Monkey Prince. So I have four. But I mean, yeah, even if well. even all the books combined that we all you know any permutations yeah. of what we all read, it's not a massive week. It's a quieter nope. week. Uh, week one has been a, a slightly quieter week for a little while, but. We go through these phases, you know, obviously the schedule will change at some point when a bunch of books end and new ones start, and all of a sudden it'll be week one will be the busy week, and yeah. week four will be the There was a long time week. where week week th- week four was the quiet week. Yeah, and week two was the nightmare week, but week two's not that bad anymore. No, week three tends to be the bad one now, I think. Yeah. Uh, but there you go. Uh, that's what's coming next week. Um, I will take this time to thank our Patreon producers. Uh, so thank you to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Sharp, Bordnow, Christopher Moy, David Brown, and Al Treisman. Uh, they are all up to the higher tiers in Patreon. But you can, of course, support us for as little as a dollar per month over at patreon.com slash mailfuzztv uh, and get some bonuses for your trouble. At the $5 tier, you get the show a day early. You get it whenever it's ready on the Saturday night. Uh, if you're a UK time, which you might be because two of us are from the UK, so <laughs> it's late. But if you know, if you're in a, a, a US time zone, it'll probably be a nice, nice time. <laughs> um, but uh, if nothing else, it'll be there for you to wake up on a Sunday. I mean, if you're in, like, Japan, it's probably in the middle of the morning for you. True, true, true. Uh, I'm assuming that most of our, not all, but I'm assuming most will be from English-speaking places just because it's an English-speaking podcast. I would also assume as much, but you never know. Yes, but hello to our Japanese audience. We appreciate you dearly. All, all one of you. Uh, Kenichiwa. <laughs> I don't look two Japanese words, so I whip one out. There you go. What's uh, the other one? Yeah, what's the other one? Uh, I know Ichiban. Uh, oh, yeah. And Sayonara, obviously. That's an obvious one. Oh, there's three. I got oh, three. You undersold yourself. I'm practically fluent. Uh, so, <laughs> thank you very much for joining us. Uh, you can, of course, support everything we do for free by hitting the like button, subscribing, dinging the bell for notifications. Uh, get us on Twitter at DC Comics Podcast and uh, you know just follow along share the podcast out rate us 
five stars nice review on itunes or wherever you get podcasts from all those things do help uh but that is us so thank you once again for watching or listening this has been episode 290 of the show so thank you once again we'll see you next time keep reading dc comics but remember to never get lost in the speed force very nice very evil Thank you.